two, part two of the giant size, the giant contraband robot episode where we went through on um, part one, we went through TV, movies, and video games, which was over two hours and 40 minutes long. It was a long one, that's for sure. Yep. One of the longest. We almost broke three hours. Yeah, shoot. We should have tried to beat and beat it. Keep it going. Nah. Because <laughs> it was just it was just so much. Um, going through some people, I actually went back and actually looked at other YouTube channels. I've seen people go from 2010 to 2019, mm-hmm. while some I'm like, I didn't even feel 2009 to 2019. It actually fits that 10 year mark. Yeah. But you know, to each their own opinions. <laughs> Um, but their choices for movies and TV, I'm like, yeah, that's those with cable and HBO. Yeah. HBO go to be exact. And I have Showtime, but I'm like, there's nothing really on Showtime that I actually want to watch. I mean, at this point, it's basically just shameless. Actually, I jumped off of shameless a long time ago. It just got, I got tired of all those characters. Uh-huh. And I was like, if it was just a show between, um, I forgot the name, um, the two characters, they on the bar. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, oh my God! Why can't I remember anything now? Oh, it's been a while since I watched it. Yeah, because if it yeah. was just them, oh fuck yeah, I watch it. Because mm-hmm. um, I was watching a clip. Kevin and um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, I was watching a clip on on Facebook, mm-hmm. and you see him just like he's drinking something. He's ripped off his shirt, and she's looking. What the hell is your problem? He's like. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm pumped up. Oh, I think I remember which one you're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, damn, I remember this dude on Reba. That's oh, old yeah. school. Oh, I forgot he was on Reba. Oh, shit. I never seen Reba. It was like, you have to like, if you was watching Smallville at the time, you had to go through Reba. You had to wait till Reba was done just to get the Smallville. Which was the reason I watched Reba. Um, <laughs> and he was skinny as fuck back in the day. Yeah, I forgot about him Now this dude that. is yoked out. Yeah. Like, what the like, what like what was one like? Right now it's now Camille Nan and Johnny, and Ethan Suppley mm-hmm. are now ripped. Yeah. Now, now Camille he's in Eternals, which is filming right now. Yeah, and he was and, nice enough to big, give a big shout out to the reason why he was able to do it too. But Ethan Suppley, he's been steadily losing weight. He just mm-hmm. now by this point buffed out. Mm-hmm. If you have not following the internet, this exactly. dude is fucking ripped. Are you talking about the guy from My Name Is Earl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he been slowly. Because if you go from, when he hell when he was on Boy Meets World, he was way overweight. Oh yeah, I mean for most of the things that we've seen him in in his acting career, he's yeah. been overweight. And then like what it was something by, like by three or get, four years ago. No, by the time we get to My Name Is Earl, he was losing the weight. Yeah, he and started he, there. And now, dude is like, dude is like on the rock level. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, go up. I was like, go. Uh, there's your glow up, man. Yeah. I was like, it gives people who are overweight a chance. You got nerds and people who are super fat. Now it's like this is now the year to get that superhero body, y'all. Why not? Why not? In my case, Ghostbuster runny weight. <laughs> See, Ghostbusters are not all well healthy, mm-hmm. but they are still able to outrun the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. So they- that's what that's the goal you should have. Exactly. Outrun the Stave Puffed, and at the same time, make sure you have enough Twinkies. Because <laughs> someone was like this. You can outrun, I was like, this is the Stave Puffed Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. While you're running a mile, he's literally, when he's walking, is taking up a mile. So he's catching up to you. Yeah. 
even if it does look like he's walking slow, he's still taking larger steps. Yeah. Giant? That's the size of him. It's the fucking um, skyscraper. Mm -hmm. To fucking human. It's like every single step he takes is basically a half a mile. Yeah. (laughs) Like, let's say we're Ghostbusters right now, and we're running down my block. He's already past my fucking house while we're barely leaving my fucking house. Well, in that case, I just got to make sure I run faster than you. <laughs> <laughs> now you better not. We're going to cross the streams and take out this this big bitch. There you go. <laughs> this big prehistoric bitch. In the words of Peter Vakeman. There you go. There you, you go. go. Still excited for the new one, right? Oh, fuck yeah. That new one's going to be good. I Here's the thing. I actually tempered my uh, excitement. Mm-hmm. Because it's all the Easter eggs that was in it. Mm-hmm. So it's more, I want to see what they do to connect Ghostbusters to at Ghostbusters Afterlife mm-hmm. in terms of why Egon was living there mm-hmm. and what does Ivor Shandor, Ivo Shandor has to steal. What is like, what is it about him that's still like that, interested him enough to live there yeah. and be there. And like, did the Ghostbusters really give all their stuff to Egon? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, it, to me, it was always figure it'll be Ray. Mm-hmm. to do that and because it also it makes sense because dan Aykroyd is like that person who like would do if you like read any interview or mm-hmm. see any documentary on ghostbusters you mm-hmm. think you know dan Aykroyd's out there he believes in aliens he believes in the supernatural his father and his mother actually did all this type of stuff when he was younger really huh um, not actual ghost busting, but no, but like being <laughs> being the into things of the occult. Yeah, um, and it would it made sense for him to actually do this, huh? Um, and then watch the things that may uh, the I've, I'm, I always butcher the title. It's, it's on Netflix. It's a documentary on Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, Die Hard. I just went for Ghostbusters. So is it the movies that made us? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> on there, they were talking about when Dan Aykroyd wrote, wrote the script. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters was going to be in space, and they was fighting alien space ghosts. Alien space ghosts. Yeah. Huh. That would have been interesting, but I think like trying but, to mix aliens and ghosts is like a hat on a hat. Yeah, and then um, Ivory Reitman said, this one, he's a, I hated the fucking script. Mm-hmm. He said it was too crazy. It was too out there. He's like, they were, he's like they're not going to make that movie. Yeah. He said he convinced Dan to work with Harold Ramis. Mm-hmm. And Harold Ramis brought Dan Aykroyd down to a more literal agree- down to earth, <laughs> a more agreeable level. He so he so he said if it wasn't for Harold Ramis co-writing Ghostbusters, there wouldn't be a Ghostbusters movie. Huh? So well, I was props like, to him then, shoot, because <laughs> um, we did get a great movie anyways. <laughs> yes, and he said if it wasn't for Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman, we never wouldn't gotten um, Bill, Murray, Bill Murray in the movie. And he said they kept oh. the, and he kept it through the documentary. That Dan Aykroyd kept the saying, "Yeah, Bill would do it. Mm-hmm. Bill would do it." And he was, they say we got to the literal date of the shoot of the movie. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there for half the day. <laughs> and then when it's time for his scenes to show, mm-hmm. filming, there was Bill Murray. <laughs> I was like, and, it, and um, I remember said, he's still like this till this day. He just shows up when he needs to be there? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do table reads or anything I'm like that. I'm like, because every time you hear everybody act, um, like they say they're about to do a movie production, mm-hmm. they always do a table read. Yeah. And I mean, hearing that Bill Murray don't do table reads, mm-hmm. I'm like, is this like an OG or something like that? It sounds like it. Shoot, I, I mean like, that makes me think of like, how did they get him then? What was it, what was it like when they filmed that shit from Zombieland? Then he literally just showed up. He's like, all right, put me in the makeup. Who, where, and, where do I need to stand? And I, and I think <laughs> they say he has a one nine one nine hundred number that you get a hold of him. 
Really? Yeah, you can't call him or his agent directly. You got to go through a one nine hundred number, and if you get a call back, that means he's interested. That's okay. That's pretty OG. <laughs> I'm like, that's old Hollywood shit. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, that's oh, crazy. <laughs> and another thing about Ghostbusters before we go into um housekeeping, um, Ernie Hudson was supposed to be in the movie earlier. Um, well, Winston, mm-hmm. Ernie Hudson's character. Was supposed to be in the movie earlier in the movie, not later in the movie. Like he was supposed to be introduced in the movie a lot earlier and part of it earlier than he was. Like I think he's what you start seeing him like forty minutes in something like that. Yeah, so pretty much right after, I was like after the Segwit Hotel when they start getting bigger. Mm-hmm. That's when they when they start introducing Egon. That would make sense. I mean, not Egon, that, Winston. That would make sense. Yeah, actually, because he was like he was supposed to be a security guard. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't af- like obviously he wasn't afraid of any ghosts. He was just more mm-hmm. like, "What the hell's going on?" He's this ghost is ruining my job. Yeah, he ain't afraid of no ghosts. Um, so they gave him. They said uh, uh, apparently they gave him a proton pack. Um, and then he helped the bust um, bust the ghost. But Bankman was still it was them going against Slammer. So Winston was supposed to be the security guard of the Segwick Hotel. If uh, I'm right, if I'm correct. Okay, so he would have like been part of that whole ballroom scene. Yeah. Huh. So instead of uh, him, like, while them are actual ghosts, but he'll be in the security guard, and he gets fired. Because mm-hmm. he let them go into the ballroom. That would have made so much sense. Yeah, that would have made so much sense, because to me, that's always been a weird plot hole with that. It's like, why would they just let these guys in here and just start breaking shit up yeah. without knowing who they were? But knowing that context, oh, that must have mean that they must have filmed it or something and then chopped it up. Because they said, because Ernie Hudson said he was going to leave Ghostbusters when he realized he was going to come in. After, they changed the scene where he was coming in off the street reading an article of, of want, Help Wanted ad uh-huh. in the paper. And that's how he became a Ghostbuster. Uh, but he got fired from the hotel because he let that. Uh, no, they, no, they took that whole backstory. No, out. no, they took it out. But that would have been really good if they left it in. Yeah. Like that would have made a lot of sense. Like Why? Did, were they thinking they were going to like be running too close to the time or something? Like, Did they want to keep it shorter? Here's the thing, though. Watching the documentary, you're going to like it. Hmm. They had a year to make Ghostbusters. To film it to, or to make it completely? To make it completely. They wanted it. Ghostbusters came out in 1984. Mm-hmm. They wanted it. They got greenlit April of 1983. Wow. So the entire production was less than a, well, less than two years. Uh, no, a year. Wow. They got greenlit in 83, and they had to be out June of 84. Wow. Especially in the 80s. That's not something easy. Like, shit. And it spent, I think, I want to say three to... I want to say three to four months, number one, in the box office at the time. So it was mm-hmm. it was a big budget blockbuster, but the mm-hmm. fact is, they said, the visual effects of people who worked on it, he said, you go through the movie. Mm-hmm. There's some effect shots that are done in one take. And he said, and even though they look good, he said, they are horribly done. Because <laughs> he said, if you look at, um, he said, there's a scene where you see Dana Barrett's apartment um, mm-hmm. and um, um, Lewis Tully's. Mm-hmm. And the frame is shaking. He said, it's not supposed to do that at uh... all. And he's like, mm-hmm. he said, there is some takes that was like, if they had like, if they was able to do a second, third take, or they was able to like work on it a little mm-hmm. bit longer, he said, it'll look more clear. Oh, okay. But they were rushed on pushing out what they could. Wow. Yeah, so he said um, the proton packs, everything was done, like, super quick. Mm-hmm. 
He's like he's like we had good um, visual visual effects artists that actually did like they was able to pump everything out. And they said Slimer is supposed to look like Jim Belushi. I mean not Jim Belushi, John Belushi. Oh okay. You look at it, it don't look like him. Yeah, like nothing. Because they said that he said he did do one, and he said it looked horrible. I'm looking at the figure on your shelf right now. I'm like that don't look that's, nothing like. Him. <laughs> that's the real Ghostbuster Slimer. That's not the movie Ghostbuster Slimer. Yeah, but still. But they said the movie in the movie he was supposed to look like John, uh, John Belushi. <laughs> the artist who was doing it, he said it looked horrible. Mm-hmm. He did not want it. He's like, he said it just looked hideous. Uh-huh. So he he did um, the iconic what Slimer looks like now, mm-hmm. and he said, yeah, here you go. And he said everyone assumes it looked like him. He's like, he <laughs> sit there in the chair. Uh, now he's like, uh-huh. he's like, no. <laughs> he said I don't look nothing like John Belushi. <laughs> Like, like some some exec was just like perfect. I think that's what John Belushi looks like. Yeah, he was like he's like this is he's like this is uh he's like no, he was like I was working two days straight to do this. He said like, I was tired, and I gave him. He was and it was like almost close to the last minute. Mm-hmm. He was like there you go. <laughs> I was and like that's what we got. <laughs> I was like I don't blame you, man. I was like I don't blame you. I was like and I like how the way Slimer looks. Mm-hmm. It's iconic at this point. Yep. So definitely go check out the movies that made us, um, especially if you're a Ghostbusters fan, because it is one is. I will watch that more consistently. It's now up there of movies I watch consistently. Really? No, actually, Avengers is up there of what I watch consistently because Ghostbusters is always number one, one mm-hmm. and two, and people bitch about Ghostbusters two. Ghostbusters two is good. It's fine. There's nothing like glaringly wrong with it. It, it has its faults. Mm-hmm. It does have its faults. Like, um, I like the fact that there was not, it was, you know, he was not going to be with Janine, but there was that, mm-hmm. that connection between Janine and Egon. Mm-hmm. I like that. But then I was in, like, like, Lewis? What? <laughs> Lewis saving the Ghostbusters? I'm like, it would have made more sense if it was, like, two Ghostbusters in the, uh, the museum and the other two are out. Like, they was, didn't get there in time. Right. And they have to save their friends before they died. Mm-hmm. Cause that's why I like the video game, the the recent video game and the comic books more. There was more at in the cartoons. It was more at state like, oh, we can actually die, doing this. Yeah, yeah. Like here, like in the two movies, it was like played for jokes. But now, like in video games and comic books, they put and a little bit in the cartoons it's they put that mortality. Yeah, you know, like they realize they can die doing this, and they always had that one rule: a Ghostbuster can never be by themselves. That's a good rule. <laughs> They can't. Well, the video game they made you because you're the kid, you're fucking you're the, rookie. Yeah, but they always said a Ghostbuster cannot go um, go out and bust the ghost on their own because they, they eventually they could die. Mm-hmm. And I like that fucking rule. Yeah, even though the fucking video game <laughs> threw that shit out the fucking window. Yeah, but that's for video game purposes. Like technically, that character doesn't exist other than that video game. Like um, in Extreme Ghostbusters. Egon broke his rule and he went out on his own because mm-hmm. Jeannie was telling him like this you don't you can't you should not This that's how they got the four new members and that's when Egon realized alright he needs new Ghostbusters mm-hmm. he went out on his own if it wasn't for Slimer to save him Egon would have died <laughs> so I was like see see you broke your own fucking rule Egon see? and that's why you have the rule <laughs> I think I think Jason Reitman who wrote Afterlife. We're still talking about Ghostbusters. We're still talking about Ghostbusters. Um, Jason Reitman, I think he took a little bit from Extreme Ghostbusters. I'm going to assume Egon died on a mission and someone found his body and he's like, 
She's like, I'm gonna say Ray probably. Some one of the Ghostbusters like, all right, roll, pack everything up. Mm-hmm. Egon died, knowing full well he shouldn't be doing this on his own. Yeah, I'm gonna assume that. But since this is Ernie, um, Harold Ramis, mm-hmm. though he passed away in 20, 2014. Was it 14? 2014, because David Boyd passed away in 2016. And what, he was two years before Bowie? Two years before Bowie. Okay, so then, yeah. So I'm like, fuck. It would have been cool to see Ernie, um, Harold Raymond. I keep on saying Ernie Hudson. Because <laughs> Ernie Hudson is actually doing something currently right now. Because I'm like, dude still looks young. He's in his 70s. He still looks... He looks like he's in his 50s, at least. Yeah. Like, he can still run and gun. Maybe. Like, to me, that's what it looks like. He can still, like, you put the proton pack on him, mm-hmm. he still got it. Well, the last time, well, yeah, the last time I saw him was in what, uh, Grace and Frankie, and he was he, she was showing his age at that point, but it's still he still doesn't look like he's in his seventies. Yeah. Um, ah, Atlanta's Ghostbusters. Um, I could talk about Ghostbusters. I've done that before, for an hour straight, <laughs> and we're only sixteen minutes in. Um, but why don't we get to housekeeping? Housekeeping, <laughs> housekeeping for the week of January the eleventh. Um, the artist talks that's actually gonna premiere sometime in March, maybe April the latest. We got three artists down. I'm still working on two more. Busy schedules, not on us, more on terms of the artists. <laughs> um, we're still working on the Twitch channel. We do have a game, Dragon Age. Don't be surprised. <laughs> but Dragon Age from a fresh set of eyes who from yeah. someone who has not played it yet. Not the veteran, the rookie, which is Christian Rayer. So let's see how bad I fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it may it may be more of a audio Twitch Twitch stream than a video Twitch stream. We'll, uh, we'll still work it out. Yeah, we're still working it out. Um we are working on the on the Twitch channel and we still need to work on the uh the artwork and all like all the shit that on that takes setting up a twitch channel yeah because I, I already have my own but i want to i want i think is is to have a professional one like to have its own separate one that's associated to the podcast yeah yeah um and mixer because we can't because everything that's going on with twitch i don't think we should pull out our egg oh, we're not gonna pull our eggs in one basket yeah i mean there's no harm i mean if we're gonna if we're gonna start putting stuff on twitch we might as well get running with it and also put it on mixer and but let us know if you guys listen to Twitch or to Mixer. Let us know which is more popular with you guys. Actually, <laughs> right now it's still both. Mm-hmm. Um, but for what I'm seeing, and because Mixer wants, I guess, want more people to, more traffic. Yeah, it, it makes more sense to have both. Mm-hmm. No, you no YouTube anything. Yeah, fuck that. Everything we <laughs> and we did an episode on YouTube and their Kappa, um, their stupid ass Kappa, um, shit. I don't want us to get ban- um, banned or copyright stroke. Yeah, I ain't got the money to pay for a copyright that's bullshit. Yeah, like, <laughs> and then them, like, you even have, like, YouTube channels that do Skyrim videos, and now they have to edit their Skyrim videos that don't have blood or doesn't. Yeah, just MXR, violence. MXR mods and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember. That one is going to get hit because they it's no longer violence. They're doing just strictly, like, nude mods by this point. Yeah, and, yeah, and that was pretty much, like, at this point. 50 to 60 to more percentage of yeah. his videos and um it's more like epic nate who does like top tens the top fives or like mm-hmm. things you have missed mm-hmm. in skyrim which is like he's on like episode like fucking 30 <laughs> skyrim's been out since 2011 like 
what is like what else is in Skyrim that we have not seen? And I'm like, and I'm looking at his videos like, well, hell, I have not noticed that. Yeah, there there are things that, like I'm, I'm pretty sure it was maybe like one or two years ago. It wasn't that long ago, two maybe max three years ago, that somebody found something in the game that had not been discovered till that point. It was yeah. like something hidden by the creators. Yeah, it's just you can keep finding shit in that game, yeah. and on top of that, the mod community behind it is so strong. Yeah, there will always be new content. There's entire like DLCs basically that fans right. have made that have been basically considered just as good as like any of the official ones. I downloaded the one where the modder ported from the PC to the Xbox One mm-hmm. where you have a quest to get your own castle. Yeah. Yeah, there's and, a lot of stuff like that. And I was like, fuck yeah. And I always liked to download it because it was a good shortcut to mm-hmm. go to High Rothgar. Oh, nice. So I'm like, instead of doing that 10,000 step, oh, I, was, I think... I would start the 10,000 step, but then mm-hmm. I would, like, go to the castle and then go up to the up. The, I'm like, fuck <laughs> this shit. Especially if you're a lower level. Oh, yeah. Knowing that you have to fight the frost giant before you go up there. Dude, the first time I fought that frost giant was also the first time I lost Lydia. <laughs> I, I had to restart my game because I was like, no, she fucking died. She just rushed in there. I married her and made her stay at home. Oh, damn. <laughs> I was like, nope. Like, no, you have I, to leave. <laughs> I'd rather have Ileana. Uh-huh. From the Dongar DLC as my companion. Yeah. She can't die. Mm-hmm. She can go out during the day and at night and she can actually kill shit. Yeah. So like I don't have to worry I don't have to worry about her being the way also. <laughs> I remember when I when I first started like realizing that Lydia would die at almost every single encounter. I would have to then basically research research, research save and be like go yeah. back and be like Wait, stay the fuck here. I'll go deal with this shit. I'll come back for you. Like, basically, I was just taking care of her. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, in housekeeping, um, that, that's, I think that's about it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's about it for the, the week of the 11th. Um, nothing really big because we're still technically 11 days end of the new year. Mm-hmm. Not much has happened yet, uh, oh, non-politically. The Night Owl Show, the new episode, is out this week. It's been out since the 6th of January. Um, give it a listen. Definitely give it a listen. We, we play some um, some requested songs, um, some some good some good hits. And let me let me let me put this one out there. I already know it's going to be immediately rejected. But uh, tagline for the Night Owl show: It's a hoot. That's a no. <laughs> no taglines. I said it was going to be rejected immediately. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do taglines <laughs> at all. If anyone like been following like the Nerds Against the World or any, but mm-hmm. I have not had any taglines. <laughs> I hate taglines. <laughs> well, except for um, if you've seen Cobra, um, Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. he was like, <clears throat> "You're the disease, and I'm the cure." Oh, that's a good one. I'm <laughs> like, okay, and that's the tagline. This fucking poster as well. <laughs> Hell, Cobra has two taglines. I forgot the second one. But the first one is, you're the disease, I'm the cure. And I'm like, and there's a second one. I'm like, really? Is it two taglines? That's quintessential 80s right there. Yeah. <laughs> that way, every other uh, sign that you would see for the movie would not have the same tagline, even though it's the same two. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that is your housekeeping for the week of January 11th. Um, so far, besides Trump and um, Iran, and then Iran unintentionally shooting down a Ukrainian airplane, not much has been going on other than politically. <laughs> um, besides the fact that... Um, Hopefully World War Three isn't about to start. <laughs> oh, no, it's going to start. 
If not for this, for another dumbass reason. So yeah, and if you were any of our Palestinian, Iranian, or um, anyone who lives overseas, no, we do not support our, the American troops because I know everything that the American troops do when they're there. And on behalf of America, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I do not agree with our president. <laughs> and we did not, we repeat from last episode, we did not do anything. Trump and his cabinet did something. Yeah, isn't it isn't it amazing how it's like when it's something that's supposedly quote unquote good? It's like look at what I did for America. Look at what I did for America. And then as soon as like he bombs some shit, oh, what are we gonna do? We, we motherfucker, we. you're the one that did it. Like the fuck, like, we. Like all of a sudden we like the fuck. Uh, even when um, Obama was bombing shit, I was like, oh no 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 no, I didn't vote for Obama. These motherfuckers vomited for Obama. Was it, I, the first go around, yes. Second term, no. I did not agree of him bombing any such place or him using our troops. That's him and his cabinet. Once again, yep. the president and his cabinet. Us American people, <laughs> n- well, those who do not support the war did not did not vote for that shit. Yeah. I, it, it wasn't on that specific topic, but I think John Mulaney said something that, that's kind of apt in this case, right? Because now that Trump might not be in office, hopefully, might not be in office this next term, right? It's just like, you don't get to order for the table if you're about to leave the restaurant. Like, the fuck? Like, how are you going to start she- and then just depart? But also... You just cut a giant fart in the White House and then left. <laughs> but also, this is where the term wag the dog comes from. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> All this shit we've been hearing for the last three months, him being impeached. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he kills a beloved, a beloved Iranian General. commander. Yeah. And now we're hearing more about that than his impeachment. Yeah. Well, supposedly, Nancy Pelosi said that they're going to be able to move on impeachment trials by next week. Supposedly. She better hurry your fucking ass up. Yep. <laughs> and just serve him up. It's eight, he's at, they're, they're offering 80, what, 80 trillion or 80 billion? For his head. Uh, it was $80 billion. $80 you... billion. Give him Trump. Just look. <laughs> Give them Trump. We take the $80 billion, Put that shit to education, to empo- unemployment, and to health care. We good. <laughs> did, you hear about, uh, did you hear about George Lopez getting in trouble off his Instagram from that comment? Yeah, we did because we talked about it on the show already. Did we talk about it on the yeah. show or when we went to go see Skywalker? Oh, okay. We talked about when we went to go see Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. But for those of you that didn't hear, George Lopez got some flack. It was, to me, hilarious as shit. Because, uh, what was it? They offered $80, 80 billion for Trump's head. Mm-hmm. George Lopez went in on his Instagram and was like, we'll do it for half. <laughs> if you don't know, it's the Mexican joke. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, how the fuck is that? I mean, technically, everything he says would be a Mexican joke then? The fuck? But there are just some people to be like, huh? It is really... Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you must not be from California or any other place that has immigrants. Right. <laughs> you must not have a Home Depot near you. Yeah. No, I'm just... <laughs> no, I can say that. I'm Mexican. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because I'd be like, I'm black. I can say that. You yeah. can't. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I got to hold what I can hold, man. Yeah. I can make fun of eagles and llamas. That's it. <laughs> so on this episode, we're going to talk about um, my top comic books of the decade. Um, me and Christian's uh, music mu- um, music of the decade. Um, Which so we tried to keep short. Specifically keep short. short. So this is part two to what was tacked on from the first, um, our giant size episode. Mm-hmm. Our, um, 
the episode so nice we had to record it twice yes <laughs> um we're also going to review the witcher season one um the rise of skywalker we're not doing the mandalorian i may let christian do it because <laughs> he's seen it i do not have no will to watch the mandalorian at it's all, all, good, it's all good. but uh let's i, I would we, assume we're doing our our top lists before we do that so we yeah. can provide a spoiler warning <laughs> yep and then we're gonna um some actually some news stories for, for the actual movie tv <laughs> and action figure news mm-hmm. is out back to the uh the root of our content yeah, basically, and um, and I said the art cartoon is coming soon, so we're gonna get no more political shit. That was that was the political portion of the podcast. Depending on the artist, though, that I we get on the show, though. Ah, okay, okay. Well, because some some of the art is inherently political, I yeah. would be assuming, and then some is um self reflective, some is mm-hmm. on society. So it it depends on how the artist views not only the world but also themselves as well. Right. Right. It's uh, that's the nature of art, right? It's very expressive of yep. the person that interprets it and the person that presents it. Yep, and that's what art is, people. <laughs> so, on to comic books. Comic books. What do we got? So these are trades and backlogs um, for honorable mentions. Superman Earth One came out in 2010. This is um, a reimagining from J. Michael Straczynski um, and Shane Davis as the art. Wait, actually, no, Shane Davis. Yeah, Shane Davis did do the art. Uh, Superman Earth One. Um, when you get later on, it's no longer Shane Davis. Is um, now a different artist. Okay. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski left after um, Earth One Volume Two. So Volume Three is done by another writer. Um, it's Superman. It came out right a year after Man of Steel. So did it have to do with any of the Zack Snyder universe? No. Or? So this is um, Man just... of Steel. Mm-hmm. Is, is today's take on Superman, so which means John Kent is, is dead in Man of Steel, while Earth-1, mm-hmm. John Kent is alive. Okay. And in Earth-1, you see Superman is a football player, a scientist. He does all these things. He's trying to find out what he wants to do as Clark. Mm-hmm. And, like, what's his purpose? Lois, who looks like Deborah from Dexter, which is kind of odd. <laughs> um... She's who she is, still the daughter of General Lane. Okay. Um, and this villain that you find out that's also connected to Krypton. So when Krypton blew up, his planet blew up at the same time. And it's so funny how Superman is the most <laughs> is the the sole survivor with the most people from his planet also. Yeah, but this is but this one is like the name like they actually use actual science where if one planet is going supernova, mm-hmm. any of its general any other planet or star that's near it is gonna get caught up in that explosion. oh well, that's good so it's not like krypton was the only one that like suffered from that supernova explosion yeah okay um, that's good well i mean it's not good but <laughs> it's good for the continuity of like stories and shit um it's the luthors instead of just um lex so mm-hmm. it's um lex luthor and his wife mm-hmm. um i'm not gonna this is one that is one spoiler i'm not gonna give out because i like the twist on that okay on the luthors um he's working more with the military and this is just Earth One, and he's um, and he becomes a reporter at the end. He was in a really, and is the odd one. Uh, he's in a relationship with a prostitute. Huh. Wait, Clark. Who? Clark? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's Jesus parallels there for some reason. Or? Yeah, basically. But either way, Earth One is a good modern take on Superman before we get Mark Millar's mm-hmm. take. Not Mark Millar. Frank Miller. Okay. Um, cause he came out with a new Superman um, book 
And plus, he's the last person you ever think to be associated with Superman for decades. He's like, I hate Superman. Mm-hmm. And now he's writing Superman comic books. Hmm. I wonder that's, how that's going to come out. Um, that's already out. And it's already, I think it's on his, I want to say 12th issue. Like, we're on our 12th episode. Oh, what? Um, also in the honorable mention, American Vampire. It also came out in 2010. But Volume 2 also came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's in the title. American Vampire. Yeah. Um, it's by Scott Snyder, who also worked on Batman for DC Comics. Nice. Um, he's, I think he worked under Stephen King, because Stephen King wrote some issues of American Vampire. He also, if you buy the trades, um, for American Vampire, um, Stephen King wrote the foreword for it, huh. telling what he loved about it, um, honored the, um, Scott Snyder asked him to write something on it. That's cool. Um... And the difference between an American vampire and a European vampire, American vampires have jaws that unhinge like a snake. So uh, think... Um, but wait, why? Blade 2. Think Blade 2, how those vampires... Were. Yeah. But theirs was like more there was like a bat that opens out. It was more like Predator-style mandible than... Yeah, so theirs is more like mm-hmm. like a viper. Like their jaws was like up and they had like like actual like snake... Vamp- like snake so it, it would be... Um, I think the actual term for that is like bilateral jaw. Okay. Because it's split down the middle so it can do that. But they don't, but theirs doesn't split open. Oh, it just unhinges the entire thing. Yeah, like a snake. Uh, Oh, you know what? It reminds me of the vampires from Van Helsing. And (laughs) and American vampires can go out in the day and night. Mm, While European vampires, (laughs) European vampires have to stick to the daylight. Because they never got the sun over there. (laughs) Um, And our vampires can kill normal vampires. So wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. Are American vampires then not considered normal vampires? They also they consider us lower. Um, European vampires consider American vampires lower term, lower to, um, like lower totem, mm-hmm. like on the food chain. Mm-hmm. But when you read American Vampire, oh, that's a whole different thing. And, I, you, and I, you follow the mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt. No, 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 go. You follow mm-hmm. the main character Sweet Tooth, which is you find out he's just thinking he's like a, um, a a thug or just like a homeless bum. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he is the original American vampire, huh. and, you, and you follow his uh, his journey and the woman he bit to save her life. He's our version of Nosferatu, basically. Okay, I it was like if they ever turn this into a movie, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt can do it. Really, I always said um, fuck, there was a. Um, it was another actor. He was in um, Never Back Down. Oh, I forgot his name. Um, he was in Twilight. He was in the t- fuck those crappy ass Twilight movies. Was okay. Wait, um, the the dad or one of the one of the brothers? Or... One of the one of the vampires. He was blonde. He was um, in Never Back Down. He was one, he was the blonde haired dude. He was a bully. I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I, forgot, I don't remember his name, but I know who I you're talking his, about. I was like him as the vampire, but then seeing Brad Pitt now, mm-hmm. being a little bit more older. Doing the roles he's doing now, mm-hmm. it doesn't require a lot for him. There are certain things that he the the character does in the comic book that would require. And it looks like Brad Pitt still keeps in shape, mm-hmm. but he's keeping a more smaller frame than a bulked out frame he had like for decades. Yeah, and he's keeping. Like, he look like he's keeping his kind almost sort of country accent, mm-hmm. even though he's technically from Seattle. What <laughs> <laughs> accent like, they got in Seattle? I know. <laughs> I was like, because here's the thing: though, Karen Segwick. Um, Kevin Bacon's wife. Uh huh. Um, you ever seen that show, The Closer, or just like seen trailers? I've seen, I've seen trailers. Yeah, they call her a country woman. Mm-hmm. She's from New York. 
And that's her real. That is her real. She sounds like she's from the country, but she's from New York. Really? Yeah. Oh, so I guess it must be influenced from the parents or something. Probably it was like there is and there is legit um a small tangent. There is legit actors and actresses who are from specific areas. They mm-hmm. have an accent that does not fit that specific region yeah. they live in, and right? it has more to do with the parents at that point. Probably or the parents don't have that accent, so it's like where did that accent come from. That is weird. So That's like so I remember weird. meeting a person who had a thick British accent, but. They're not from Britain. They're born and raised here in Los Angeles. They have the accent. What? And I was like, is one of your parents? He was like, yeah, one of my parents is, but I'm born and raised here. I was like, so probably you probably spend more closely to with one parent and you picking up that accent to that one parent. Yeah. And this is always like, it'd be like for years, me and my brother Calvin, we mm-hmm. couldn't speak. We can't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. We can pick, we can understand certain terms and, la- and languages and certain things, but yeah. we can't speak it. Yeah. My brother Christopher, on the other hand, from four up until he was 17, mm-hmm. he could understand it, he could speak it, he could recite it, he could write it. Wow. At some point after 18, mm-hmm. he lost it. Huh. He was the only bilingual of all, all of us, and he lost it for some reason. We was like, why didn't you keep? Keep that shit up. Yeah, like That's Spanish. Something... I mean, in California, Spanish is basically like it's, all. You... It's technically the number one language in California. Yeah, like you can you can honestly live here without knowing English if you know Spanish. And I was like, and it's and it, and, it, and also it pays more to be bilingual than a single uh, single language. Person. I'm going for trilingual, but goddamn, it's hard to remember all that shit. <laughs> and then plus a, a good and, and and it's also in the comic book of American Vampire. It's never too late to learn something new. Yeah. That is also in the comic book, also. So you just learned something. Mm-hmm. Um, Bat- and it was new. Yeah. <laughs> Batman Earth One. That one is also a modern take on uh, Batman in the current time. Mm-hmm. This one you might like. Gordon is like Detective Bullock. Okay. But only for a specific reason. Not like the drunk, you know. It was like he tried to be the, the Gordon we all know, but mm-hmm. the corruption in the police force was just too ingrained. Oh, okay. Bullock, it's like on other, <laughs> Bullock, on the other hand, is a is a ex reality show cop who comes to Gord comes to Gotham, thinking he can clean it up, mm-hmm. and you see the dissension of Detective Bullock throughout the comic book to mm-hmm. become the Bullock we all know. Yeah, so it's just like holy shit. Hmm. Um, Batman is still trained to be the Batman we all know. He fucks right. up like everyone else. Right. So if you thinking you're getting into Batman, where he's just like. I'm kicking. No, he's yeah, he's kicking ass, but it's slowly getting to the way we know. No, yeah, um, you see the progression, you see the journey in it. This is where we get the we see more of Alfred being the combat soldier he used to be. Oh, okay. And this version, of Alfred, he's a little, he's still old, but he's still a little bit younger. Okay, which would make sense too if they want him to do a little bit more action oriented yeah. stuff. Um, and he's um also a wounded soldier as well. So he, uh, I think, he, I forgot which leg he has the disability on. Mm-hmm. Um, so he so he has a cane, but he also can still fight. Yeah. Um, two um, Harvey Dent is in um, and his sister. Um, I forgot which one is the unhinged one. Harvina. <laughs> um, I forgot which one is the unhinged one. But... Between Harvey Dent, Two Face, and his sister. No, it's just hard. They just um the the dents because they because they both are lawyers. Right, but which one is the unhinged one? I'm assuming think, the ones think, are going to be two faced. I think the sister is the. If I remember, it's been a minute since I read Earth One because I was reading, 
I was rereading all the Earth One books because Green Lantern Earth One came out, and that's not one of my favorite. Um, Green Lantern continuities. Yeah, um, no, it's they take super um, Earth One books. You taking the hero and you taking it in the modern terms. Mm-hmm. Think the Ultimate books. Oh, uh, ah, uh, wait, okay, but but not the craziness where the Ultimate Universe went. Yeah, because because I was gonna say if you say Ultimate, that's already gonna give me some pause there. <laughs> But um, it it took some liberties. It just I don't feel as someone who's I read Green Lantern before I read Batman and Superman. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. um, and there's just some things that I felt it took some liberties that I just can't gel with. Mm-hmm. Um, there is gonna be a Green Lantern volume two. Um, but we're for right now we're gonna stick to um this uh, this honorable mentions list. Mm-hmm. Um, Earth one, the best Batman costume of hands down. Batman versus Superman and Justice League took his his comic inspirations from the comic book. Ah, oh, okay. From that version specifically, um, and and I like the, and it made me love the yellow, um, the yellow and black emblem again because, yeah. then the suit is still like it's still mm-hmm. gray, but it has instead of a yellow belt, it's a mm-hmm. black belt, which they did in Justice League and Batman versus. I remember Superman. that, yeah. Um, so the emblem connects to the suit, mm-hmm. but the um the cape and the cow is connected to mm-hmm. the emblem, so he has to clasp it onto his chest. Yeah. So I was like, I like that. It Instead makes of, it functional. Yeah, it, it's super functional. And what else is cool about his mask? So it come, the cowl comes up to here. I'm touching my, you can't see it. From, to his upper cheekbones. It comes to here, and he, he has a separate helmet that connects right onto it. Uh, so think of it like um, a medieval knight who takes off his like the, the, the helmet and yeah. connects it. Okay. I was like, I like that. Like the inner part of uh, Buzz Lightyear's helmet? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, it makes everything else, it, it's like, it is super functional. Yeah, yeah. And it would make sense then too. Like if you if you really think about how you would put something like that together, that would be more practical yeah. than an actual cowl. Yep. So I was like, that is fucking awesome. I think that's, I think that's called a balaclava. I could be wrong. But I think that's what it's called when like that specific thing that covers around your face, mm-hmm. but not necessarily your face itself. But it's Batman's head. Yeah. Um... And Batman dealing with, um, Penguin is the mayor of Gotham. <laughs> um, Giuliani. Sorry, no, I'm not going political again. <laughs> um, and a villain that I've never seen in the comic, that's just like fucking menacing. It's called, um, I want to say the birthday boy. Just the big hulking dude and just murders children. <laughs> what? Paxton, um, Batman, Gordon, and Bullock to a certain extent try to help. So see, we just learned something new. His favorite character is the one that murders children. No, I'm just... <laughs> it's it's an interesting. It's a more interesting villain because I'm. I make no no qualms with it. Uh, I actually I try not to hide it. I don't like. I'm tired of the Joker. I'm tired of Harley Quinn. They keep on reusing them for every fucking thing. Batman has a a big wealth of a, ro- a rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. And you see something new, especially Earth One mm-hmm. Batman. I was like. Finally, something that is not. And he, this is an original character too. Yeah, I was like, this is something that I wouldn't would mind seeing in a movie, right. except for take children out and put, and not don't even use women, just men. Just let men be the ones who get fucking mutilated by somebody. Yeah, we have no problem seeing that on screen. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing women and children being mutilated. Well, because it gets a response. It, it it gets you to respond on a more emotional level. It's it more. It's associated with more innocence. So it makes the act more heinous. But here's the thing, though: it's time for us men to see more vulnerable, vulnerable in film. Yeah, that's true. Television. That is true. Um, also, in the same year of because 2012, <laughs> the same year 2012, the Shadow, the Fire of Creation. This takes. Um, is this still your honorable mentions? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> the shadow. Make sure. Of Colossus. <laughs> of Mordor. Nah. Um, Puppets. What we do in the. Yeah, so I'm, just, I'm just thinking of every shadow thing I can think of. <laughs> the, you remember the, um, the shadow with Alec Baldwin? No. What? The shadow with Alec Baldwin. Hold on. We're... All right, we're going to have a have movie day. We're going to, like, uh, somebody please give us a cut or a time code every time I've made Desi go, what? <laughs> Actually, for the last episode, I did do a time cut. Um, time cut. So uh-huh. I'm like, I nearly put it in the comments. <laughs> the actual um, housekeeping starts at 18 minutes. Uh-huh. The actual episode starts at 30 minutes. <laughs> well, it was a two hour and 40 minute episode. So but shit. we was on a big ass fucking tangent for 30 minutes. Oh, right? yeah, I bet. I fucking bet. Um, and we're at 40 minutes on this episode. So so continuing the tradition of a really super giant podcast. <laughs> um, but the shadow, um, you learn about the origin of Lamont Cranston, which is who is the shadow who mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin played in okay. the movie. Um, I like, I like pulp, um, heroes. So technically Batman will be considered pulp because he came out in the 1930s around the time the shadow, the phantom and Mandrake, the, um, the magician came out at that time. So I've always been confused on that. Pulp would have to do with the, around the era it comes out in, right? Yeah. So it's more like pulp is more like mystery, um, instead of, um, in terms of science fiction, because science fiction didn't come like more of a. A thing until the 60s yeah. so right around the time captain america that's when it started in a way getting, wonder yeah. woman in a, in a way wonder woman was mm-hmm. more into promises around that time because it was more they want to mm-hmm. be more sci-fi based so mm-hmm. things like the phantom the shadow went away because they're not dealing with science fiction there's more in terms of the mystery and mm-hmm. the mysticism and everything that's, that went on mm-hmm. um and that's why I like the shadow because it was it was something that was not he was not technically a superhero mm-hmm He's just the person who is good at telepathy and who can read men's minds. Huh. Okay. Only specifically men? Well, women included. Because we, we, men. So oh. Men, so men as men. in like. Yeah, okay. in the general term. I got you. I got you. Um, but if we want to go with. Um, I forgot the fucking term. <laughs> People? No. Um, no. Um. It's the term that people use, um, binary, non-binary. Non-binary. There you go. Fuck. <laughs> when it doesn't matter which, yeah. Okay, non-binary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if, like, if they recreate it, I could see them saying, um, who could read people's mind instead mm-hmm. of men's mind. But I'm like, this is the night. I know there's some things that should, you should not uh, hold to because of its time era, but since it's the 1930s, mm-hmm. that is something that's going, uh, you should, like, keep that. Yeah. Sort of like X-Men. I'm sorry. Nineberry and not that is the term of the you're not they're not talking about men specifically yeah, yeah. is everyone I understand I think there's, like, a, there's a few X-Men now that don't identify as a woman mm-hmm. or men they rather be like them um, they mm-hmm. but X-Men is just that it's, it's still that term and if you mm-hmm. don't want to use X-Men there is New Mutants X-Force more New Mutants later on this episode though. X-Person <laughs> oh I don't know I know I'm just <laughs> Um, but to keep on going, Five Ghosts came out in 2013. Um, it's about an adventurer who has the ghost of Dracula, Sherlock Holmes, Genghis Khan, um, the, I want to say the Robin Hood and King Arthur. That sounds like a Rick and Morty concoction. Like what? This is and this dates way before Rick and Morty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he he could tap into each one of those spirits. 
but he don't like tapping into Dracula because Dracula takes him over. Oh, so wait, he taps into their spirit, the spirit of that person or mm-hmm. individual. Yeah. Oh. And he has those ghosts in him, and um, he doesn't like when he's in dire straits. He has to use Dracula, mm. and he uses Sherlock Holmes. You wouldn't like me when I'm Dracula. <laughs> There's a. I'll let you use it. There's is um. I know there's more volumes out, but um, I have two volumes, and there's the second um issue that has him stuck as Dracula. Huh. Cool. That does sound like a good read. It's very. It's really good. And then to end off, we from 2014 to 2019. The honorable mentions: Kevin Smith's Green Hornet. Um, he started it off um rebooting the Green Hornet in modern times, and it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Kato is now is now the daughter. If I wonder was I have the books, but if I remember, she's the daughter, not the granddaughter of mm-hmm. Kato. Okay. Um, and she obviously starts a relationship with Brett Reed's mm-hmm. son. Um, Brett Reed's son, he's sort of like Seth Rogen's Green Hornet. But here's the difference between the Green Hornet, um, Seth Rogen's Green Hornet, and Kevin Smith's Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. The son don't want to be nothing like the father. Mm-hmm. Um, in which one? In the comic. Okay. But while the movie version, he's trying to impress. He's trying to like impress his father, but he's still doing stupid ass shit. Pretty much like every Seth Rogen character. Yeah. I mean, that was basically just Seth Rogen with money. And <laughs> who, and who lost a lot of weight for that movie? Let's not forget Seth Rogen. Yeah. Did, actually, I'll give him props. If on you that. follow Seth Rogen's career from like Freaks and Geeks up into like. After forty year old version, he was a he was a fit dude. Yeah, he was never really that like thick, except for the more stoner roles and stuff. Yeah, like it, he was never really it, that thick. It was like after like after forty year old version, then he started like looking like the schlubby guy. Yeah, I think what maybe like the thickest he was I can think Knocked of up. that or Zach and Mary make a porno maybe maybe, and then he got fit again for Green Hornet. Yeah, and I, I was like, wow, I was looking at them like, but still I was like the, I have. Some trepidations with his Green Hornet, mm-hmm. but I still collect it because I thought it was good. I still love um, fucking James Franco's cameo in that movie. It's like they call me Crystal, Crystal Clear, like the meth I sell. <laughs> it's just the dumbest I line I, I can remember. It's still but, one of the dumbest lines that I laugh at every time. And because of Green Hornet, um, he, there is the reason why I'm I'm, like, I'm big into classic cars. Mm-hmm. Like I want that Lincoln Continental they have. That is a sick ass car though. Um, and Did I want it ex- exactly like the Green Hornet. All I'm right? trying to remember suicide that... doors and everything. That's what I was about to ask. That's the one with the suicide doors, right? Yeah. I don't know why they call it the suicide doors. Well, because it was like a gangster mob thing because they open up. Basically, they open on the opposite axis. So instead of opening up and going this way, it would open up and go out that way. I know, but it still is like it's a weird term we call it suicide. Like what? You're going to commit suicide when you're doing a drive-by? No, it's because it's it comes supposedly from a mob term where it's like, oh, he committed suicide, but they would push him out of the car. And it was easier to do it out of that kind of car because then they could reach out and grab the door and close it. After it had fully opened, because if it opened up the opposite way, they have to reach out further out. Uh, so it come it comes from that. I don't think it's the official term for the door, but everybody says it. But everybody calls it that. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> um, I don't know why I know that. <laughs> um, Kevin Smith's Green Hornet. Um, you, and it also um, introduces a new villain, the Black Hornet, and you see him, you actually see this Green Hornet learn to be like his father, the hero that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the buddy romance between Kato and the Hornet. Nice. So, and you, it was obvious that was going to happen. Yeah. But after issue 13, um, Kevin Smith left. He was, he was more like the producer 
by that point. Oh, okay. And then he had another um, writers on takeover. Yeah, but I that, heard that that started. I hadn't heard anything about it since, but it's good to hear that it's good. No, like, it's really, I, it's really I'd want to go back and read it. Um, for twenty, um, for now, the wicked and the divine. Um, it's and we talked about it before. It's the gods who reinvent themselves every I don't remember twenty years. Mm-hmm. And in this era, they're rock stars. Okay, they're celebrities. Yeah, you uh, did mention this to me. Right? And they try, and they um, they have to die within a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. so they can get reincarnated and everything. But they like their new fame and popularity and everything. And they don't want to lose it. And there's a few who, like like we just said, they don't want to lose it. And there's some like we need to keep up the old traditions, so they're now fighting amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wicked and the Divine is is visually, and is um, just as um, amazing as what's going to be on the list saga. Mm-hmm. But also the writing is just as good, and I love the color palette. Nice. That so, that the the story of it kind of reminds me of like what American Gods is about. Yeah. But I would say a better version of American Gods. <laughs> I have I have problems with with American Gods. As I said, the better version. Um, and with that, now we're finally coming to the actual list. That was the that was just that was just the auto mentions. So in two thousand nine, Green Lantern Blackest Night. That's a good one. That's where we get to see a lot of new, a lot of the power uh, lanterns, and we see what the introduction of a new lantern core. Yeah, from that two actually two lantern cores, the black lanterns and the white lanterns. When did the violet become a thing? The vi- oh, the violet was actually introduced in that in that same continuity. So it would be three. Technically, indigo, violet, red, avarice, which is the orange lanterns. They was already introduced already. So it was we was more introduced to indigo, violet, um, then white and black. Okay. Um, the Red Lantern was already introduced before then. Um, Sinestro Corps has been a long, been a while for decades, just as long as the Green Lantern Corps. And yep. so, Yellow Lanterns. Um, for the Black Lanterns, it was every hero who ever died and was revived. Right. It was like somebody gets a black power ring yeah. and then they can bring back um, anybody who had died. Yeah, so Superman was a Black Lantern. Wonder Woman was a Black Lantern. Um, Hawkman, Hawkgirl. I think Green Arrow was turned. Black Canary was turned. No, Black Canary was not turned because she never died. They come back with their full power set and the the, the powers Black, of the ring, right? Yeah. Um, Rob Dibney and his wife came back. I'm t- elongated man. Yeah. <laughs> Most people are like Rob Dibney. Who the fuck is Rob Dibney? I'm like the elongated man, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that Mr. Fantastic? No. No. <laughs> I was like, is that Plastic Man? There's no. two different powers, people in the DC universe with those powers. Right? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, he didn't come from an end. <laughs> um, but they was able to save Wonder Woman because she became a um, oh the Pink Lantern. Um, by, um, hope, there you go, um, Pink Love, Pink Lantern. But she was, love, um, but she was, she was already introduced long, a long time ago because that was um, Carol. Um, Carol Ferris was technically Hal Jordan's enemy because mm-hmm. her powers was like they was they was together, mm-hmm. and then Hal Jordan dicked around. Mm-hmm didn't come back to earth like he said he was and so she felt jealous she was angry betrayed and so she got her powers her her technically her ring yeah um which is and one when we got the power of love no she i think she one we got rage somebody else got love i know it's been a minute since a red black batman's, um, black batman's held quite a few of the rings right like i know he's had yellow at batman some point was de- batman was in air quotes dead during Blackest Night. Oh, well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking probably through different situations then. But specifically in Blackest Night, yeah, he was black. Because um, I think he had a blue one at some continuity. He had a yellow one at some continuity. Not continuity. That's not, that's not continuity. 
2010, <laughs> Spider-Man The Gauntlet slash Grim Hunt. You were telling me about this one. I want to read this one. Um, so this one, um, you find out a secret benefactor. All of Spider-Man's classic villains are getting power upgrades. Or like the Rhino, he was he was married, reformed, he had his own restaurant, then shit started going bad for him. And he became the Rhino again. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spider-Man is literally like, all these villains are now coming back with now old Pete over, over overpowered, but not just overpowered, but also new powers, right? Yeah. That ha- like um the lizard you can, can say now, like a mutation of their powers. Like the lizard can now control normal people because yeah, we're uh, we evolved from um from um like there's there's a little bit of amphibian in every person yeah. supposedly. <laughs> so and the Spider Man is like trying to combat that. His son is turning to a lizard now. Huh. Um, currently, his son is now a lizard type character because um, you find out he was um, he was going to turn into this eventually anyway. Oh, okay. So, but I was like, holy crap! And then you find out at the end of the gauntlet, it was Craven's family. Oh, who was doing this? Then you get to Grim Hunt, where mm-hmm. all anyone who ever has a connection to Spider Man or has a Spider Man based power mm-hmm. was captured. Damn. So the yeah. entire family. Yeah. Um, would you would, would you consider the family? But Spider Man's like I'm always he's always alone. So you he he's, he's always alone. But yeah. But still, there are people. These are people who are connected to Spider Man. Mm-hmm. They're spider people. Um, <laughs> there are deaths in there, and then this is the most menacing Peter Parker Spider Man you'll ever get. Um, he does. Um, it's, it's a spoiler. That I'm not gonna say. And this book been out since 2010. So it's now on this on this point ten years old. Like it's a spoiler. I'm not. A, I'm not gonna say, it, but I'm about to say it. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say it. But it, it's it is a really good book, and it, and it does count together. If you get the trade, it is gonna be called Grim Hunt. Um, I mean the Gauntlet slash Grim Hunt. Um, which is current um for 2011, which is still ongoing right now, is Sunstone. Sunstone is a BDSM romance com uh, romance <laughs> comedy. Um, LGBT comic book that has nudity, sex, but that is not the basis of the book. You had my curiosity, now you have my wallet. <laughs> um, but that is not the um the sex, the lesbianism, the the domination, and the um, that is the, the sub, that, subplot. That's the subplot. It's mainly about a woman who she's re- she's coming into her own as an adult, but realizing she's falling in love with her dom. Okay. And her dom is already well established at the start of the book. Which who hasn't, right? But not in terms of like they meet each other through an MMO. Okay. So, which is also funny because they also put yeah. in, on the artist and his wife put in like clips of their MMO of characters. Yeah. Is they, it very Warcraft esque? It's like at the time, mm-hmm. it looked like they was taking liberties from Final Fantasy and Warcraft. <laughs> um, but. The character, the main character you meet, the other second main character, she's already lesbian. She already like you, you know everything about her, but she's like a shut in. Okay. But she she goes to work as IT. She's super rich, so like she has all this indisposable income, but she spends all her money on dominate um dominatrix um gear and stuff. Um, okay. Her friend and her ex boyfriend is the one who makes all this stuff. And he's like, you literally goes to the comic book like, you have, you shouldn't have been spending all your money on this. Yeah. It's like, you should like take a vacation, do other things. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, why are you spending all your money on leather ball gags, man? 
oh, this is like, read the book. This is like, and you realize like, and this is something as a person who's not into that, mm-hmm. you learning a little bit about that world. Yeah. But then also, it's just still that this story, and then, like I said, it's still ongoing. So you do get each trade. There's issues where you learn about the main character's um, backstory on how she realized that she was gay, mm-hmm. that that she doesn't like men, but she's still like dominating men, but she doesn't get any sexual pleasure from that. Mm. Um, you learn um, the guy who's now her ex, who's her friend, his backstory. Um, then you learn about the girl, like. Um, who's the main focus and you realize this is one spoiler she's writing a book mm-hmm. so there's what there's certain issues we're in it's her in the future they're already married also like her she's like telling, reflecting back on yeah. how she got to where she's at when yeah. she's telling the narration yeah oh so i, I actually like that and just and it made me more in a way I, I like a comment that makes me more that makes me learn more, especially like in trying to be more understanding within the community that I'm not I'm like as a, as a straight man trying to learn more. Like service get us pretty fucking interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and I think they do they do actually I don't I don't I think one of them is by one of them is um Pan if I'm correct because I don't want to a, a late mislabel anyone mm-hmm. but representation. But still is is very it is very representational of all those communities. That that's in this dominated dominatrix singing yeah, culture, yeah. but Sunstone is at its core is still is a, and like I said when I talked about movies, I'm not big into rom coms, but if there's something in its essence that will grab me, so this is more like it. a dramatic romantic series, more less less superhero, more yeah, and it's more actually more real life, more that. real life. Okay, and I, I like that. Um, cool. The nowhere men, nowhere men. Where did they come from? <laughs> nowhere. Um, it came out in 2012. Now this one really pisses me off. Um, that's why it's on your list, right? <laughs> there's only one trade that's out. Really? Seven issues. Quick chance to one trade. A group of scientists who is working for the government they get turned into their own experiments. Oh wow! So it's like think the X Men, but with it's now scientists, and they're learning their own powers, and they're getting chased by the government themselves. Oh, that's cool. Um, I don't know when the fuck this shit's gonna be ended. <laughs> when it's gonna With only one trade so There's far. There's only one trade, and it came out in what? 2013. 2013. Oh I'm my still looking. No, 2012. And I'm still looking for more. I'm still looking for more. And I, Eight years. That's not a good sign, man. I'm being here, and there's more out there. Uh huh. But knowing the um, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna pull it up right now. I'm gonna pull it right now because I uh, keep forgetting. He's got to figure out if there's more. It's like right when you finish a good anime and you're like, wait a minute, that's it. Now I gotta wait until they decide for another season. No, it's um, <laughs> it's a what? I'm looking for the name of the writer of. Uh, oh, the writer of the comic. Yeah. It's the writer of the comic. According to the extremely reputable Wikipedia.com. Eric Stevenson. Eric Stevens. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, Eric Stevenson. He is known to not complete shit. <laughs> and currently, right now, it's only seven. And so, so apparently, it's seven onward. So, which means there's more shit out there. Well, that either way, that means there's so, been more years between when the seventh. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Arc two has been taken over in 2014. Okay. Issue 7 was finally released 
in 2016. The second story arc, which hasn't been completed as of June 2019. So it's still ongoing. I already have issue one through seven in the first fucking trade. This is telling me this is still going on at this moment. Oh, wow. Where the rest of the shit at, yo? <laughs> yo, Image Comics, where's the rest of the shit at? But you're on you on number 12, because you're on 2012, because this was something, it was around this time where I actually stopped. No, um, Sunstone and Nowhere, Nowhere Man actually mm-hmm. pulled me in. I stopped reading Marvel and DC mm-hmm. by this point. So you were looking for other things that were not Marvel DC. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Fuck That's you good. guys for not pumping out more because this is it is an interesting story. Yeah. Like if I was a good writer mm-hmm. in terms of well writing movies and TV, mm-hmm. I would have took it over and made it into a TV series. Nice. This would have been badass. Um, for 2013, Sex Criminals. Okay. By Kelly Sudonic and Matt Fraction, artist um, Chip Zdarsky, who's currently doing Daredevil right now. Mm-hmm. Kelly Sudonic is no longer on Captain Marvel. I forgot what comic she's on currently right now, but it's mm-hmm. a Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. And Matt Fraction is currently doing—I want to say Hawkeye still. Well, didn't Hawkeye get halted? We're gonna get to that. <laughs> comic book Hawkeye. Oh, know. comic book Hawkeye. Um, I think that's what Matt Fraction is currently doing right now. But Kelly Sudonic and Matt Fraction are actually married hmm. in real life. Um, and I forgot how many kids they got. They found love. <laughs> but Sex Criminals is about two people. Who can freeze time when they ejaculate. Oh, you were telling me about this one too. Yeah. yeah. They realize that they can do that on their own. But it's even stronger when they're together. It sounds like a sexual metaphor if I've ever heard one. Even though it's not that much of a metaphor. <laughs> when they're actually doing that. Um, and they they rob banks. Wait, what? Yeah, they rob banks. They, they, do they first... hire people to rob the bank for no, them when they, they say do. they're going to... Wait, what? When they, they find a place where they're going to rob. How? With fucking fundies? What the fuck? They fuck. <laughs> and then they come out. And they come out when this, everything is frozen. They rob the place. They clean the place up. And there's no trace that they ever did it, but the money is gone. What? And okay, so no they rec- have... And they have no recollection of who did... And no people will have no recollection so of who they, did So they have a certain amount of time afterwards. Like, while they're still basking in the glow, no. basically. Oh, my clothes <laughs> fell. Ah. <laughs> my sound barrier clothes, uh, clothes has fell. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's sex criminals. And, I've never heard a concept like that. <laughs> and the characters, the main characters, do look like Matt Fraction and Kelly Sudonic on purpose. On purpose. Okay. Thank, thanks to Chip Sadarsky. That's gonna be really who, interesting for the kids to read later on in life. Who is currently <laughs> suspended on Twitter for something he did, and he can't post what he what he has done, and he can't tweet what he's but he whatever they said whatever he's done whatever he did <laughs> made. Twitter hold his account for the time being. Wow. And he Chips Zdarsky is a very um vocal dude uh-huh. who's a writer and an artist himself. Mm-hmm. So I'm like I, I like Chip Zdarsky. He also did he also worked on Deadpool um and Spider Man and some um, other Marvel books. Oh okay. But this from out of Image Comics, Six Criminals is that's you can tell he's he's good friends with both of them. Yeah, I have a feeling that's not gonna come out of a Marvel studio or a publishing no. house anytime soon. No. Um another image title. Saga, um, and it's still currently going on. I I want to start reading this, but I have no idea what the hell it's about. It's think Romeo and Juliet, but it's the space a space odyssey, except for yes, um, 
it's it's fucking it's 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 weird and like that. Brian K. Vaughn is good at doing the weird mm-hmm. and in making it credible. Okay. You have people walking talking TV TV headed people. Is uh, it supposed to be like a symbolic thing or is it like a like they acknowledge that people are walking around with TV faces? That's that's their that's their head and that's their that's that's everything. Huh. That's it's it's out there, and he and he clearly said he made this book to be out there, so it cannot be adapted for television or film. Yes, I like that. Yes, because you can't if you, if you the only you can do is saga if you do it as an animated series. Let it exist as the original medium yes. intended. Um, yes, there's makes me want to read it more. You probably seen it all through the internet. Lion Cat. That's where it, this is where it came from. Saga, where the cat oh. can tell you if you're lying or yeah. telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, partnered up with a bounty hunter. Um, it's pretty much about Marco and Alana. Um, they met with one another just like one day. Mm-hmm. They fucked and she ended up getting pregnant with his kid. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one comic book I don't know. I only I only have two volumes. I intentionally told people do not tell me about this because I heard one spoiler wow. and it pissed me off. Wow. This is the one comic book. I don't know what's currently going on right now. Wow. And I heard the narrative has changed. From the two main leads, mm-hmm. that's the one spoiler I got, and that pissed me off. Oof. But Saga is still good enough to put on my 2015 list. Oh, I, I skipped 2014, but I'll get back. But I have the for, I have the trades. This is my first time reading it, but the book originally came out in 2012. Okay, I didn't even start reading it until 2015, which was currently still going on. Um, and it, it is still a good book, mm-hmm. and I hope it never gets adapted to a fucking movie or TV series. And if it does the TV series, animation. Yeah. This is the only way I can see this going, but it has to be an adult animation because there is nudity. Mm-hmm. But you can do an adult animation where it does not have to include nudity. Yeah. And the close you and as close as we get to that would be Rick and Morty. Okay. Technically. That's an adult animation TV series that mm-hmm. has cursing and has sexual influences, but it's not But does not have nudity blatant. It's not out. super blatant. Yeah. Blatant. Like it's Sp- the spy animated series mm-hmm. is blatant. It has sex, nudity, drugs, it's, and all the shit. It's Adult Swim, but it's like eight o'clock, ten o'clock Adult Swim. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, not... ten o'clock Adult Swim. You get to the you get to the more. Well, to be shit. fair, it does come out at ten o'clock. So, but it's not what, twelve adults... o'clock and one in the morning Adult Swim. <laughs> it was the Adult Swim that came on at eight o'clock type of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then once you pass eleven, I'll I'll bet I'll, I'll, I'll bet loose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, 2014, because I, I, I didn't skip it. Mm-hmm. Witches, also by Scott Snyder. Okay. Um, this one, I, I'm, I'm not going to give a spoiler, but it's basically a family who's moved back to a hometown, to the mother's hometown. And a curse that's on the eldest daughter and the mother. It's some twists, there's some turns. That sounds like the movie The Witch. <laughs> um... I mean, it's just, it it is super, I'm not big into horror, Mm -hmm. and if you notice on this list, this is the only horror Mm -hmm. on this list for comics. Well, American Vampire Mm -hmm. is the exception, but for Scott Snyder, it's, it takes turns where you be like, holy shit, and it gives you the, it gives you the basic premise of like, can you really trust your parents? That is like the one thing I'll give out of this. Oh wow! How, can you really trust your um, your parents who brought you into this world? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's and it's really good. It's very dark. It's so a mindfuck. It it is. When you get to a certain point in the book, it de- it will get to be a mindfuck for you. Okay. Um, hmm. So definitely check out Witches by Scott Snyder. And I also believe Stephen King also helped out a little bit on this one as well. Oh, cool. Um, for 2016, get back on the list. Um, this was originally released in 2013. I didn't pick up back issues until that year, mm-hmm. um, but it end, the first run of it ended in 2016. Okay. The Rat Queens. I think you were telling me about this one too. It's Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Um, Lord of the Rings, fucking Willow, Dragon Age, all anything fantasy related, just amped up. Mm-hmm. Um, there is sex. There is sexual innuendos. There is drugs. There is um, people getting blown the fuck up by fairies and shit. So you're only missing rock and roll from that list. Oh, it's rock and roll too. Oh my god! Somebody call me Jack. <laughs> um, there's an elven. Um, the one of the leads is the elven witch. She looks like a rockabilly character. Oh, nice. But this is thinking. This is medieval medieval era. There's um, so, an African witch, mm-hmm. a literal African druid. Huh. Um, there's the town sheriff who was a former, look like a, like a knight, but like a ninja kind of way. Okay. So but what is the story actually about them? It's four women, um, four best friends who think, I'm trying to think of a good one. Um, pretty much you need a hero. You call them, but in this case, you don't want to call them cause they wreck shit. Uh, okay. like they, like they go a little bit too much on the destruction, on the destruction. Like, they, they get their shit done, but you know that you're going to lose half your time in the process. Yeah. Ah. And they, they, they do get some um, pl- um some intrigue, and there's some, like, stuff where they almost die, they get bloody, this is fucked up, and it, there is there is gore in this. Okay. And there is blood, and, there's, and you learn things about all the characters, all the women. Mm-hmm. Um, the team is strictly women, and the, at a later point, they got a female orc as part of the team. Nice. Um, they need that berserker in there? Oh, they already have a berserker in the door. <laughs> She's already a berserker, but you have someone who's like OP. Um, and there's also another, also another thing. The dwarf is in a relationship with a male orc um, who has bluebirds in his beard. Like they live in his beard? Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Everybody gets nude just the same. It's like, no, it's like not just the women, lost the guys as well. So it's like all around nudity for everybody. You, you, you're going to see everything. Yeah, you, uh, not, not everything. They still have to keep it tasteful. Because because it's very it is a very it is a very colorful comic. Okay. So if you see it on the if you see it on the spinner racks or on on any um on the rack um when you're in the comic convention or com um or a shop, mm-hmm. it's very colorful and um mm-hmm. the covers is just as awesome. Nice. Um, but the creator of the comic book, uh, Curtis Weeby, he actually left mm-hmm. um after 2016. So from 2017 to now, there's a new writing team and a new artist um art staff okay. over it. Um, he basically he said he's passing the torch onto other people, so the cur- the comic is still currently going, and mm-hmm. definitely pick it up if you if you want that fantasy, but with an adult twinge to it, mm-hmm. definitely pick it up. Cool. Um, but like I said, each character has their own quirks. Like the elf of the team, she's a drug addict. Okay. The taller half human half elf, um, she has a secret. And and she has a reason why she has her hair in a bun, because um, she's hiding something. Oh, okay. So you so you learn more about her. You have the druid, who is afraid to use her powers a lot, a lot more. 
Okay. And then the dwarf, she left her home because she did not want to be betrothed to some of the other dude. And she likes she likes picking up a sword, battle axe, and actually fighting. Because mm-hmm. there's a little book where she's playing like a car show, a car show girl. Her mm-hmm. parent, because her father made her do it, and she's supposed to like show and talk about the weapon mm-hmm. that she's um, unveiling. Mm-hmm. But she's talking about like killing orcs and killing people with the weapon, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like how she likes to use it, like disemboweling someone. Yeah, and yeah. you just see her father off panel, like keep on script. <laughs> so it's like she's like if she were selling a car, she'd be like, "This is the car, you know, it gets so many miles per hour." But then she's talking about herself, what she's doing with the car, yeah, exactly. Instead of keep it on script, being the showroom girl, yeah, yeah. She's like, she's no, I'm gonna talk about this, and then and all the women like men grow beards. Okay. So for a while she had you have you see her in the book she has a beard and she does if they're on a mission she, the beard will curl in. Okay. Like when they're long, they've been long enough away to where they haven't had a chance to shave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she um grows a beard. Um, her orc boyfriend doesn't really mind it. He rather will have her keep it on, keep the beard up. But she likes to shave it. She wants to look. It is interesting when she she she. She is the distinctive choice that she wants to look more feminine than Butch. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I was like, okay. That seems like an interesting comic. <laughs> yep. And it's, it, is, it is really good. I, I liked it. Um, 2017. This brought me, reintroduced me to the DC Comics. Batman Metal. Batman Metal. That's the only one on your list I've read so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a very different, interesting take. Um, there are certain issues where Batman is afraid because normally he won't talk about being afraid or show fear. You actually see Batman afraid in this. That's the crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, you see different er- evil iterations of Bruce Wayne um, where you legit feel the heroes are losing. And I, I actually like uh, CDC take risks like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was very refreshing when I was reading it. I yeah. remember thinking that too. I was like, wow, like everybody gets the shit kicked out of yeah. them in this. Like, And every time you think they're going to win, nope. The like, rug is pulled right on every head. single time, man. Yep. It's like you, you, like there's a literal mountain that they have to fucking climb, and every single time you think they're getting closer, it's just like, nah, you're, you're every, every time you think you took a step forward, you really took ten back. You're like, nah, son. But it's really good. We get introduced to the Batman who laughs. Yep. Great and new who character. Still fucking popular to this day. Yeah. And we have a little tidbit on Batman who laughs laugh as we get later in the episode. Um. At for 2018, it's not a trade. Um, it's a single issue, Invincible issue 144, the final issue of Invincible. It ended around the same time as The Walking Dead. Okay. Um, I was reading Invincible since I want to say early 20s, or early to mid 20s. So Invincible has been around a little bit. Um, no, Walking Dead been out longer than Invincible. It has? Yeah. Huh. But I was like, 144? At least go at least 200, like, The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And, but it's also kind of, like, a crazy thing to realize. These books has been going on for, like, 10 years, and, like, they're already on 200. Like, mm-hmm. this is, like, literally, they're not renumbered like Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. Like, it took them to, like, like, I legit grew up with now with The Walking Dead. And... Invincible to be like, holy shit, they're in two hundreds, they're in the fucking one fifties, or I'm like, yeah, like they uh, they have that in pure time. Yeah, and, and I'm like, 
and you look at Marvel DC, mm-hmm. they're just now saying they're at issue 700, 800, mm-hmm. 900. No, actually, they went to 1,000 now. But they keep renumbering on top of that. But I'm like, fuck. I was like... Like, that renumbering gets so fucking confusing. It'd man. be crazy being, like, my 50s, and uh, if, if Walking Dead was still going, it'd be like... Like, this should have ended 20 years ago, literally. <laughs> like, 600. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I'm out. <laughs> like, how many zombies are left, man? <laughs> But um, Invincible is really good. Um, if you haven't read it, definitely read it before the animated series comes out later this year. Okay. Um, it's With a- it going on that long, uh, do you think somebody could could ostensibly finish the entire series before the the show comes out? Yes. If you pick up the trades, you'll have a lot more easier time finishing it before the show comes out. That's true. And, trades will always make everything easier. And a connector to The Walking Dead. The actor who played Glenn will be voicing the main character, Mark Grayson, in Invincible. Oh, Stephen Yin? Yep, Stephen Yin. Nice. Um, Robert Kirkman is the producer for Invincible and is coming out on Amazon. Oh, that'll be cool. So I'm like, okay, all right. Damn, remember the days when Amazon Prime Video sucked? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> now, they, now they're Golden Globe, Oscar yeah. nominated, um, Emmy nominated. So it's... They do got good content. I just don't like their interface. Yeah. They they need to work on that interface. It's not as easy to even get into as any of the other stuff. Yeah. But um, they sure love Fabulous Miss Maisel. Yeah. But here's the thing. though. Here's a, a small tangent before we get to 2019. Mm-hmm. Rachel Brownahan, Brosnahan, mm-hmm. when she is not doing her show, mm-hmm. she looks like Evan Rachel Wood. Legit. <laughs> Look at her now. When, she, when she's doing an interview... And it's and apparently she's a natural blonde. She looked like Rachel Evan Wood. Really? Yes. Huh. I'm like, that's Rachel Evan Wood. And I'm pressing looking at a Jimmy Kimmel show like, oh shit. I was like, wow. I like you as a brunette. I was like, keep the brunette. Oh. So she's not naturally brunette? She's not naturally brunette. Damn. Okay. I was like, wow. Was that's like, a good dye job. I'm like, I don't like Fabulous Miss Maisel because I'm like, I don't, to me, it's not because she's a woman, I'm like, as a, it takes place in an era where black people, Mexican people, and Asian people are not beloved at all. Yeah, it's not real. it doesn't really connect to us on a cultural level. But there are people of color who actually like the show. Yeah. But to me, as a man of color, like, no. But mm-hmm. you can tell for that show, they warp it mm-hmm. in a way because it looks like there are still those racial undertones for what I've seen, mm-hmm. but it's still like, people of color can walk around and it's not that inherent. Mm-hmm. And then the women have more of a power role than, than what was going on at that time. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. It's, that's something that I noticed too. It's like, it's a very, obviously it, the, the show has a very heavy feminine message, like, yeah. you know, like a very heavy empowerment message, which is good. There's yes. nothing wrong with that. But for the time period that it's supposedly in, it's not exactly accurate. Yeah. But I, but I can understand why they would take that choice because obviously then that kind of story wouldn't even be made. But then also the only reason why I watch it, though, is for the voice of Lois Griffin. Alex Borstein. Is in it. I'm like, I like when she's not doing animation where you can actually see the actress doing something. Mm-hmm. And this is like, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> and Tony Shalhoub, who does not like Monk, the show Monk? Right. And Tony Shalhoub. And then, one of, and I'm, like I said, I'm not a big horror fan, but one, the other horror movie... That I like that he did, Thirteen Ghosts. I did not see that one. You did not see Thirteen Ghosts. I did not. Him, Matthew Lillard. Wait, uh, really? 
Yep. Matthew. Uh, Why do I? Do feel you want to know a spoiler on that one before it gets it? Matthew Lillard dies okay. in the movie. Huh. I have um, to watch it. I I want. I've always been curious to watch more movies with Matthew Lillard because I'm only really familiar with him in like three things. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo in the name of the king and uh, him being a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan. Yeah, which is like the that main the reason only... he did in the name of the king. Yeah. And he said and he was like, "How do you feel about the movie?" I really love Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "We're not gonna go there." Yeah, yeah, of course they didn't. Even, they didn't get fucking what's his name for the second one? Um, was it uh, British British Jackie Chan? <laughs> um, Man, what's his face? Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm cool. I don't like Uwe Ball movies anyway. <laughs> um, for 2019 on comic books, Heroes in Crisis. That made me now officially stop reading DC comics. So wait, why is that on your list? If it made you stop reading comics, because it was influential into making me stop reading DC comics again. You making Harley Quinn something that if it was Harley if Harley Quinn was it was a slow build up of her being more smarter, mm-hmm. um, being more of a tactician because she is a doctor. <laughs> I would believe her beating Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman and Superman, Batman. Oh yeah, Batman. You can get you can trip them up, if but Wonder Woman and Superman, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here. Like not Harley, no, no. Um, Wally being dicked over through the whole thing, and then what he did—I'm not going to give that spoiler because it's going to make the podcast this podcast longer than it should be. But what Wally does, it just really pisses me off. And then trying to, and then to give it as an acceptance to what he did, like no, fuck that, you—he fucked up big, mm-hmm. and he should pay the. I don't care if you're a superhero or not. Mm-hmm. When you cross that line, you're no longer a hero. Damn. <laughs> So and and, and, I, wonder, and, and tell I, me tell me off podcast what yeah. the hell that spoiler is because I'm like fuck Wally West no fuck Tom Taylor wow right? I almost do not want to see um, New Gods because he's helping Ava DuVernay write it wow and I'm like fuck you Tom Taylor and yes. your ex being being a fucking ex CIA agent I don't give a fuck about heroes with PTSD anymore because of you bitch the hate is strong in this one <laughs> I am now Darth Desi the Sith alright fuck this shit <laughs> cue the theme music so I'm like hey hey can we get uh, music so that we can like insert it right here uh, I don't, <laughs> don't want to get copyright claims <laughs> and podcasts can get a pop- copyright claims yeah I know <laughs> all right so moving on moving on so that was all that's all the comic books my favorite um comic books that influenced me to actually keep reading new material and to stop reading certain material <laughs> um yeah that that whole hour i did on comic books that it is i still have i still love comic books mm-hmm. despite certain things you that love writers the medium I love the medium and i love the fact that we're um, comic writers cannot take more risks mm-hmm um, and they're no longer have to adhere to Marvel and DC, which restricts them to do a lot. Like Stone, Sunstone, Sex Criminals, Criminals would not thrive under Marvel and DC. Of course not. That's just not their branding. And I like the fact that Image, Image and Dark Horse, they do more original and out there comics that you wouldn't expect to see. Like I think it was Dark Horse. They have the X Files versus Thirty Days a Night. Oh, what? Motor and Scully versus the Vampires of Thirty Days a Night. That's cool. I was like, you won't see that 
under Vertigo, which yeah. is now defunct under DC. You won't see that under um, Marvel. It's, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And mm. it's literally, it looks like David Duchovny, Angelina Anderson. <laughs> nice. And I'm like, this is fucking cool. Um, so like, I like, I like now dipping into the well, with most people who read mainstream comics. They view these as the, the weird. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck it, I guess I'm weird. Yeah, they're they're the non-mainstream comics to mainstream comics. At but this the thing point. is, though, I would say, to, but in a way, though, Saga is mainstream because there's merch, mm-hmm. comic, there's T-shirts, hoodies. Lion Cat has a fucking statue. <laughs> Saga so, is one of those that's like it, it's. It's weird, but it's weird in the way that everybody kind of uh, is drawn to it. Yeah, and it has Funko Pops that I need to buy. <laughs> cool. And and it has actually it legit has a action figures with a lot of accessories for the two the two main leads. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I will legit, and I actually have Invincible action figures right here. Uh-huh. I have the normal version. And I have the bloody version. That is how bloody they get in the comic books. Wait, that's just not a color change? No, that's not just a color change. That is the bloody version of Invincible. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just thought it was a red version of his costume from this distance. There is one issue where his intestines get ripped out of his chest, and he has to, he's holding it into his body so he can so he can actually heal. how the fuck have I not heard of Invincible? <laughs> there, and there is one issue where his father beats him to a bloody fucking pulp. Damn. This is, that's within the first three issues. Added fr- to the list. <laughs> added to I have the first eight volumes you can you can read right now, but then as soon as you get to the end of volume eight, you're gonna be like, I need more. You're gonna be like a junkie. I need more. <laughs> Y'all got any more of that invincible? <laughs> so come on, man. Don't 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 make me ask more, man. <laughs> so definitely, definitely pick up all these books. Definitely, like I said, definitely read Invincible before the animated series starring Steven Yeun comes out this year. And guess who also produced Invincible? Who? Seth Rogen. Oh yeah, we were talking about how is Seth Rogen a comic producer now? I don't know. First it was the like, um, preacher, then the boy. No, Green Green Hornet, preacher, the boys, now Invincible. I feel like he's one of those guys that now that he has the like the connections and the money and like the pull to do it, he's just like fuck it. These are all the awesome ones I remember. Let's fucking do it. Yeah, let's do it right. So I'm like, you know what? Keep on doing this, Seth Rogen. Yeah. Fuck it. Good I don't give a shit that it's you. Just make it good. <laughs> I think he's. Uh, they say he's gonna um, play a character on the boys. I think a version of himself on the boys, <laughs> and he's voicing. Uh, I think he's voicing a character in Invincible. Oh, okay. Um, that, that's all good because because I, I know I think Preacher so far he has not appeared, but he has directed episodes. Makes sense. It, isn't Preacher Preacher didn't get canceled? Did it? No, the Preacher's, show? Preacher's already over. They already had a series finale. Oh, already? Oh, wow. Because yeah. the, the comic Damn, was, it, it, didn't have a, it didn't have a lot of issues in the first place, so it was easier just like to like four seasons and that's about it. Oh, okay. Um, now on to music. On to the music. Um, I'm going to let Christian go first because I talked a lot already. It's okay. Mine's not going to be that long. <laughs> but did you stay to the format of 2009? I did. I did. This time, <laughs> this time the format is there. So I yeah. have a song from every year from 2009 to 2019. And you're going off your Spotify list. And you? I'm going off my... Well, I made a, a separate Spotify list so that way I have the right ones. I didn't do that. <laughs> I'm not even playing on it because most of these songs are all on like on some kind of little playlist, but uh, uh-huh. I'm not trying to like condense them too yeah. much. No, I it, well, I literally just made sure that I found them in Spotify and put them on the list so I don't forget it because I didn't bring a notebook this time. <laughs> uh, 
But all right, so starting off, uh, I I guess our constraints were, like I said, 2009 to 2019. Mm -hmm. And I chose a song from every year that I thought was exemplary of what I was listening to that year Mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, Some of them uh, are not exactly my favorites, but that's only because... 10 years ago, I was like 13. <laughs> so my music tastes have changed. And I was 23. <laughs> my music tastes have changed, but some of these I honestly still really love. Uh, so from 2009, I have 21 Guns from Green Day. Okay. You know, it's it's not exactly a classic, but if it's what a lot of people remember from 20, from 20, from Green Day at the time. You know, it's that, it's that, that little bit of a rebelde that gets in you. <laughs> uh, from 2010... This might not come as no surprise. I have Black Sheep from Metric. Yeah, because Scott Pilgrim came out around that year. Because Scott Pilgrim came out that year. And I remember that was the year that my cousin also started showing me a lot of this specific kind of music that kind of got me more into alt-rock than I had been before. To give a little piggyback on, Mm -hmm. Metric almost made my list. Really? But not for any Scott Pilgrim music, it's for the original music. Um, um, In 2014, Mm -hmm. they came out with a song called Cascades. Okay. Love it. Hmm. I have to listen to it. I haven't heard that one. Nice, nice. nice. Uh, so that's 2010. For 2011, uh, I have Adolescence by Incubus. Okay. Oh, that is that is a damn good song by Incubus. Right? That, Like I said, this is when I started getting into more rock stuff, and I started actually discovering more bands to me you around that time. You discovered Incubus? Around that time. I was listening... I know, I know, I know. Like I said, I was point. Goddamn, Incubus, Thrice, The Used, all came out around that same around the same time. See, so that's when I started getting into that kind of music in general. That's why. I was Damn. Like, for the record, that song came out that year too. Yeah, I looked it, it up. Did. It did come out that it, year. It came out that year. All of my songs came out the year that I'm talking about. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so that, uh, what was that? That was 2011. For 2012, I have Everybody Talks from Neon Trees. Okay. It's a little bit more poppy. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly, exactly. A little, like I said, more poppy, but um, I, it, it was also a good exa- example for me for that year because, like, at least when I think about where I was mentally, um, I was trying to keep a lot of positive positivity, mm-hmm. uh, positivity in my life, mm-hmm. and songs like that kind of always were on my playlist, just kind of in the background, and I remember that one pretty well. Okay. Uh, after that, for twenty. 10, 11, 12, 13. <laughs> I'm losing my place in my list. For 2013, uh, Come a Little Closer from Cage the Elephant. Okay. I don't know if you remember that one. I, it's a I, little bit of a slower one. I remember Cage... I, I have a good set list of uh, Cage um, Elephant. Mm-hmm. I forgot how the way that song goes. I, I, I couldn't have a list on here without addressing the Cage the Elephant in the list. Yeah. Sorry, it's a bad stretch of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the elephant in the room says... Exactly. Uh, 20... 14, oh, God damn it, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14. I keep losing my place in my list. Uh, 2014, I have I Don't Want to Be Here Anymore from Rise Against. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was funny, too, because... Uh, I don't want to be here anymore. It, yeah, exactly. That was from uh, the Black Market Parade album. Yep. Yeah, and that, that album came out in that year, 2014. And that was actually right when I started at, uh, at Trade Tech. Yep. That's right when I started at Trade Tech. And actually, I remember listening to that album almost religiously on my car ride to the college every day. Like, I, to, it was one of those where I remember the placements of the songs after every song. <laughs> and I would just be, I remember specifically, like, it'd be raining as hell, walking into my early morning physics classes, and then just sitting there and be like, I really don't want to fucking be here. 
But we all know what the song really meant. But <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, obviously, it's a parody for Suicide and all that kind of shit. But it was a good song. It, it was exemplary of my mood during that year. Good. 2015. This is not my favorite song from this artist, but it is, in my opinion, one of the better songs that came out in 2015. Uh, Hello from Adele. Hello. Yeah, I liked a lot more things it's from sweet. her 21 album. Hello from the other side. <laughs> Hola del otro lado, mijo. I did, I did that on purpose, people. Yeah, I, can, yeah. I, can, I can sing a little bit, but I did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I would have liked to have like Rolling in the Deep or, um, we yeah, or something else. Exactly. exactly. That one, I was, that's the first time I heard of um, Adele. Yeah, me too. And I was like, hey, I can, I can, I can fuck with this. I'm like, and I like that. <laughs> and you know, it was Dave Grohl who did the drums for that. Really? Yes. No fucking wonder. No fuck. I have such a fanboy mo- mentality for Dave Grohl that even even subconsciously maybe that's why I fucking like that one. So I was much. like, I'm like, oh shit! I'm like, I'm loving this fucking drum shit. I'm like, all right, all right. I did not know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Dave Grohl. Wow. Yeah. For anybody that that at this point doesn't know, Foo Fighters is my favorite band. Yeah. Just so like, only- <laughs> wow. Was- that's a that's a fucking weird ass coincidence. God damn, I've been listening to Foo Fighters since yeah. I was 10. <laughs> right. I, I've been listening to Foo Fighters since I can remember. <laughs> damn, the realize Foo Fighters been out that long? Like, fuck. I remember Monkey Wrench when it first came out. Yeah, I do. Monkey Wrench is good. Uh-huh. All right, go, keep it going. So, yeah, so it's you should not, be on 2015. It's not my exemplary Adele song, but honestly, the other ones that I chose in the earlier years, I cared more about than Rolling in the Deep and all that. Uh, for 2016, uh, Ketamine for Breakfast from Kate Tempest. I've told you about this artist before. You told me about the artist for that. Um, she's she's an artist that actually a mutual friend of ours introduced me to. Okay. And I very, very much enjoy It's But her album is... Constru- it's, uh, it's from the album called Let Them Eat Chaos. Okay. And it's constructed in a way that basically the entire lyrics of all the songs on the album are one one linking poem. Okay. So when you... It's one of those that... It, it reminded me of like older albums because not a lot of new albums try to create a lot of synergy between the placement of the songs yeah. anymore. It's more just like they make the singles and then they combine all of them together and put them into the album. Mm-hmm. But this goes uh, harkens back to a time when songwriters and lyricists would literally arrange their songs to complement each other one after the other for the entire album. Yeah. So not only did she do that, but it, she also did uh, this thing where... She distributed the album with the book of lyrics, uh, with the book of lyrics, structured in poetry format. So you could actually read all the lyrics along as in the form of a poem as you're listening to the album. That's cool. It's a really interesting experience, and um, she's she's won awards for this not only for the lyrics and for the for the music composition, but also as a independent poem. It has won awards for it. But it's a it's a very good listen to. I think I've played one of the songs, if not this one, on uh, the Night Owl Show. I think, yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's on um, it's on our official playlist on Spotify right exactly. now. Exactly, check it out if you want to hear what li- we're listening to, and we update it with every new show most of the time. <laughs> yeah, so this year we're gonna um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very eclectic year in terms of music for us on this one. Hmm. I'm excited. I'm yep. excited. So that was 2016. For 2017, uh, a return from Rise of the Gan- Rise Against. Okay. Uh, the Violence. Okay. Oh, I, yeah. I, I know for a fact we play that one on the Night Owl show. <laughs> yes, I know because I, it's on the playlist also. <laughs> it is. It is. Go ahead and check it if you want. I'm gonna check this out. Check it. Check it, check it. It's from their Wolves album. But uh, I honestly, I like that. I like that song a lot. 
because of the because of the meaning behind it. Like just that we're 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 they're trying to be better than our basic tendencies. We're trying to be better people than what we sometimes see ourselves for our like our baser emotions, you know? And I thought the song exemplified that kinda well. Nope, Rise Against is not on any is not on the Night Owl Show radio. It's not? I remember playing Oh, you know what? Wait no. E, the eco terrorist in me is okay. So that's the one we played. Okay, yes. okay, okay. I thought we put it on there, but maybe if you guys want to hear it on the night, I'll show. Let us know. For 2018, I have one of my favorite independent uh, hip hop artists on here, uh, Gavlin, with her uh, 2018 single, which also named her album Headspace. Okay. Um, she's. Uh, not necessarily underground at this point, just because she she's a little bit more well-known than that now. But I've been following her since, like, 2012. She's getting more mainstream. She's becoming more mainstream now. But uh, but I she's also one of the few artists I've actually seen live, which okay. is cool. But, uh, but I honestly really enjoy her, her basically everything she does in her music. <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than I just find, I find her beats and her lyrics dope as shit. Uh, there, there's a lot of other good albums you can see from her, but the Headspace one is very, very well put together and it's exemplary. You, if you've heard her first album compared to where she's at now, you can see that she's matured as a songwriter. Okay. And it's it's good. It's good shit. And for 2019, honestly, in 2019, there wasn't any songs in 2019 that came out that I really cared that much about. Mm. But um, one that came out near the end of the year from a newer up-and-coming band that I enjoyed very much was uh, Always There from Greta Van Fleet. Okay. Greta Van Fleet only has two albums, and I saw uh, they're also one of the other few artists I've seen live. I saw them live at uh, Cal Jam in 2018, I want to say. Yeah, 2018 Cal Jam. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're new guys, but their lyric styles... They, I wouldn't say they're new by this point. They're not new by this point, especially now that... They, they, you can hear a lot of their music in trailers and shit now. Like I think one of the more mainstream ones that's uh, recent in Ford versus Ferrari, the the main trailer for Ford versus Ferrari is one of their songs. Oh. And they're trying to sound like they're trying to sound like Zeppelin though. Yeah, well, they're not trying to sound, but a lot of people compare them to Led Zeppelin. They okay. they have a very similar sound base, and the main vocalist does have that very high pitch uh, tone okay. for it. But they, they themselves have said, stop comparing us. We're not them. Which obviously is true, but they have very similar lyrics and the style is there. And okay. I, I like it. It's kind of like, it is what Led Zeppelin would be if the music was written now, is what I feel like. So yeah, okay. so that's my list for 2009 to 2019. And as always, it took a totally different approach. <laughs> <laughs> but this time, I'm going to do the honorable mentions last. Okay, okay. Um, for 2009, I have Day and Night by Kid Cudi. From the Man on the Moon, the End of the Day, um, from the re- that's the record from Day and Night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Day and Night, the Lonely Stoner. Oh, I remember Stoner. that one, yeah. And I, I was like, that really like got to me because I was like, mm-hmm. this is where I really started smoking again. And yeah. I'm, I am tossing and turning, but in terms of not only when I'm when I'm having it, thoughts in my head, but also physical pain. Mm-hmm. Like I've been dealing with physical knee pain since I was fucking. 13 years old mm-hmm. and I'm it well into my 30s now and I'm still dealing with these pains mm-hmm. so it's like I have those I have those thoughts and there is it switches like songs day and night plus that shit's a banger <laughs> and he also talks about his drug addiction his depression and that's where in hearing the, one of the few black artists talks about depression thoughts of suicide and committing um, 
actually tempting. Mm-hmm. It made it helped me actually talk about it more. And, and like that's what I said in the earlier episode. Us mm-hmm. men need to start learning to be more vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, shit. I mean, I it's it's not the biggest issue in the world comparatively, no. but we do have a very toxic masculine culture. And especially, and I've noticed, especially within Latin culture and Black culture, it, it's a very like machista thing. It's it's a very like ingrained, old way of th- well, not old way of thinking, but like a, well, yeah, it, it's an old way of thinking yeah. that like the 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 man has to be very masculine and yeah. everything, not show any weakness. Yeah. It's like the, to a point that's true in a way, but not to the point to where men should have issues trying to even emotionally express themselves in the smallest ways, you know? Yeah. You shouldn't have to be emotionally constipated. Yeah. Um, for 2010, you seen The Butcher by the Deftones from the album Diamond Eyes. I, th- I think I remember that one. Um, I'm not going to try to sing that one. <laughs> okay. um, this record is the first record after the passing of Chi. Okay, yeah. I think I did hear this one. Um... Diamond Eyes is basically right after, um, it's legit right after, um, their last record, their last record before it, um, Saturday Night, um, uh, Saturday Night Wrist. Okay, yeah, I did, I did hear that one. Um, so Diamond Eyes was, um, was technically six years after, so Diamond on Saturday Night Wrist came out in 2006, Diamond Eyes came out in 2010. Oh, okay. So the, it was, and, and it made sense for them to take their time, because Chi um, passed away, mm-hmm. and it was like, this was the first time, because I've been listening to Deftones, fucking white pony. <laughs> <laughs> it was two thousand. Um, We're twenty and, years now. <laughs> yeah. And it was like the first time I experienced one of my favorite artists, um, bands who lo- who lost a member, mm-hmm. and like he, Chi Chang is definitely one of the um, one of my favorite bassists of all time. And to see that 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 part of them to lose that part of um, of their essence of their band, and then see them come out with Diamond Eyes, and I thought it was it's a, and I feel I had I had the little write up for you seen the butcher because there is some current some context, but mm-hmm. the video don't show that context. The video is straight like an orgy with blood all over it <laughs> in a library of all things. Yes. Um, Is but, it the new season trailer for uh, Silent Library? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is. It's, it's one of my favorite songs, and it's and it's something that I should go back to every now and then when I'm thinking like deep, like dark thoughts. When you got that introspective. Yeah, but Deftones is like still to this day. Gore was their last record, and that was more experimental to okay. me. I thought that was more experimental. Um, for 2011, Thrice, Call It in the Air. Um, from the album Major Minor, mm-hmm. um, this is where I can say after the alchemy, um, the alchemy comp, um, index, mm-hmm. this is where they they lose that emo card. Oh, okay. Because calling the air is basically telling you to choose, stand or choose, stand or stand or lose. You basically, it's time to be an adult. You have to choose, and it's basically you toss in the coin in the air like. Much like their music uh, style. So it's like you either stay the same or you change your course. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, holy shit, this is this is. I love that we get to see the progression in artists and how their careers change over time with the changing of their own personalities. Yep. Um, Deftones again for 2012. Swerve City. Uh, This is um, from Koi No Yukon. 
it it comes right off the fucking gate. Mm-hmm. It hits you with it, and then the in the lyrics, everyone has their own interpretations of what he means by. Um, she has um a way to talk to horses. Mm-hmm. Is she talk? Is he? Is Chino talking about us men as the horses? And this and is this is this sexual mm-hmm. or is this mystical? Yeah, stubborn as a horse. <laughs> like, like she has a way of um talk, uh, talking to horses. Yeah. Like listen to the lyrics and like try to be like, is he is we are we the um, horse allegory of us men? Mm-hmm. Like, holy fucking shit. Hmm. But this is like one of the few times you actually see. Chino play the guitar and actually hear the third guitar um, section. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely no, actually the second guitarist because he's the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I forgot. Damn, I forgot the lead guitarist's um, name. Mm. But um, and then when it gets to the to like the the midpoint of the song, you hear the the riff, mm-hmm. and then just him and the bass player, they're them like piggyback on one another in terms of vocals. It just fucking hits. Like, this is the song to fucking listen to. You fucking high. Yeah. It's a quiet night. You got this playing in the background. And, you, and, and that, that bud is just hitting you just right. Ooh. Where you just coast. You got one of those pacha moments when the bud hits just right. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that is, and it's also hard enough to, like, you want to fucking rock out to it as well. Yeah, Source City's a good one. Um, for 2013, The Use with... I can't fucking pronounce it. Which one? Let me see. Wait, hold on. I can't see the screen that well. Quixotica? There we go. That's how I would think it would be. Quixotica. It's the way how he says it when he's singing it, though. Okay. Here. I mean, if you're Mexican, you'd say Quixotica. <laughs> um, this is from Ocean of the Sky. This is from 2013. Right here, this is when the U's sounded like themselves, but they was also, you can tell, there was a turn. Okay. Because also, once again, they're still ingrained with emo, mm-hmm. but now it's more like this is a different type of emo we're getting. Mm-hmm. Like, this is more harder, more like more punk, not pop punk, but just more uh, more of a hard punk. So they went from emo to emo. <laughs> um, Sorry. Here's, but here's the thing though, and Burt McCracken, he still can do that script, but he doesn't, if you listen to more of his modern stuff, mm-hmm. he doesn't do that anymore. It makes sense. Over time, that shit gets hard. But And that's why Ch- uh, Chester Bennington is always the mm-hmm. number one, because he can still, if he was still... Well, could. He, he, he... It's hard, because... R.I.P. R.I.P. Chester Bennington. Um, that's why he's not on Lincoln Park, and he's not on this list, because it was. It seems like from ever since, we, ever since, ever since Lincoln Park first came out, there was mm-hmm. always an album that came out, something that happens to me specifically and it's always it's either the whole album or just a specific track mm-hmm. and one more light when it came out in 20 let's say 2017 mm-hmm. that could have easily took over this whole list because i was one of those fans who bitched about it didn't sound like what early can part mm-hmm. to sound like and it took me to actually listen to it after he passed they were the and, best part of transformers for me <laughs> and to uh, I know you're trying to joke because I'm getting getting deep, but no, nah, I got you. I got hearing you. it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and I'm hearing like one more light, and I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck. And uh, Lincoln Park, uh, Lincoln Park is one of those bands that some people love to hate, but in reality, it's like it's really only because they've been around a long time, yeah. and they've been they. It seems like they're one of the most consistent out there yeah. because people always knew that when you got a Lincoln Park album. 
whether or not you like the entire album, like you said, there's always going to be something that you did. And yeah. then when they changed direction, it was and it was a specific purpose to. Yeah. And they was the main ones who always said you can't stay at the same all the time. You have to change to stay current, mm-hmm. to stay relevant, and also to be more creative as an artist. And the their obviously their music style is very different, but the but that uh, philosophy very much reminds me of like what the Beatles were about. Like the Beatles were always talking about, like you can't make the same thing, you can't change the, you can't stick in the same genre because otherwise you're going to become stagnant. And yeah. that's why they themselves were also very experimental. Not everybody remembers all their songs, yeah. but yeah. people remember the Beatles. And I think, like, it's not, like I said, it's not the same music style. But I think Linkin Park, in a, in a way, has certain parallels to how people would, in the future, treat their music. And speaking of resurrection and change the styles. Newfound Glory is my um, choice for 2014 with Selfless from the album Resurrection. Um, this one right here, they um, they still sound, if you listen to Newfound Glory up until now, they sound the same, but their direction is different. Okay. You can tell they're definitely older. Mm-hmm. Um, their guitarist, um, Chad Gilbert, is married to um, Haley Williams of the lead singer Paramore. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, Vicious Love is she's on it as the back as um as a she is um a featured artist on the song okay and i'm like okay all right and it is more poppy is it's more poppy than punk but it still has this punk elements but the reason why i picked selfless if you really listen to it it's talking about being an individual who's who's selfless of doing certain things mm-hmm. so and i felt at that time i was like be more forgiving, be more open, be more of, of a selfless person than just like, mm-hmm. then always talking about it is your actions that's doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I always picked and I like the fact that they, they're still going, they're still technically going until this day. Nice. Um, for 2015, City of Stars by Logic from his album The Incredible True Story. That's a good one. Um, this is the first time I would say next to actually He's one of the first rap artists who actually can feel he can. Um, the Charles Gambino. Okay. Who can sing and rap? Oh, okay, I got you. Logic. Well, yeah, that's Logic true. is that um, is one, and I like the fact that and people hate the fact that he brings up he's um, biracial. I, you can bitch about it all the time, but that's I thought he, he is. I, thought, <laughs> I, I legit thought he was a straight up white. <laughs> but learning that he was he was biracial and uh-huh. then hearing his struggles with he's going through it and the, be, this being the first song I heard from him mm-hmm. maybe an uh, instant fan um, from shit, for 2015 to now for the, so these last five years and he's one of the more lyrical like um, artists at, uh, around right now which I honestly yeah. very much enjoy because then it's like and who can keep up with Eminem's pace in terms of rapping yeah exactly exactly it's like I get I I, I don't want to throw that much hate on it but it's like I get why certain people like mumble rap I'm just not one of those people. Yeah, I'm not either. I really am not one of those people. It's like I like Logic for that, and not only for that reason, but it's a big plus for me right now that he is like one of the people that actually puts lyrics in their shit. And he's <laughs> a big gamer. Yeah, that too. He's a big gamer. And, and a huge anime fan because if you listen through, if you listen through the whole through um, thing over the Incredible True Story, he has Steve Bloom mm-hmm. as the one of the um, voice um, voice actors on the. Um, on the record like it's an actual story going through the whole record damn <laughs> which is really cool um for for six for 2016 
Control and the Urge to Pray by Saleson from the album Saleson. Okay. So this is their return record, but with the voice with Anthony Green returning as the lead singer, not Culver Reb, um, Rebel. Um, Rebel. Which band? Saleson. I feel like I might know their music, but I don't recognize the band name. Really, like it, um, to be fair, like I said, I recognize a lot more the lyrics and like the tone. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, most likely, if you play one of their songs, I'll probably remember it. But off of their name, I don't remember them that much. But this is one of my favorite songs. Um, it's coming back to that you get the um, the lyrics, the the singer, and then that that the scream. But it's actually Anthony Green doing both. Mm, okay. And it sounds like he's he's it's another person. There is another person who's harmonizing with them, but it's just Anthony Green doing it all. Okay. So always trust the dude with a big ass fucking neck, like Corey Taylor. <laughs> he's got who the space. Do, who, can, who can do that shit? He who can, but Corey Taylor is more of a guttural. He he can't go high pitch. Mm-hmm. Anthony Green can go high pitch and low. Oh okay. So I was like, nice. <laughs> uh, for twenty seventeen, Circus Survive with the Amulet, um, the Amulet by Circus Survive from the album The Amulet. Also another Anthony Green project. Cool. Um. This is more subdued. Um, it's like mystical in, in a way, but the music video, I like the music video because um, I think he included his um, his wife and kids in the video as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, it was like he's like on, making his way towards um, a concert they're doing and you just see all these visuals. Um, that introduced me to Circus Survive. Salesin, I was listening to Salesin a lot, especially during the Cove era. Mm-hmm. I did not know Anthony Green was only on one record and left, and then did sales. Um, then Circus Survive. Mm-hmm. Circus Survive is um on it, and this 2017 was the first time I heard of um the band, and the Amulet is really it's a really good song. Cool, very cool. Um, for 2018, we played this before, and once again, thrice with Just Breathe. Yes. From the album Palms, this is a record you should definitely listen to. Just Breathe. It's literally what it's telling you to do. Just like. Just breathe. Relax. Let the emotion flow out and just sway. It just sway. It's just like, it's, it's whatever they went through or if it was the um, Dustin Crew, Kinsaru, um, wherever the band, what they ever went through, you can tell they went through something major in their lives mm-hmm. and it's like this song is, and it connects on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. Like I, It's a very good song. And this, <laughs> for the past, since 2018 to now, it's on the number one repeated list on my Spotify list. Nice. <laughs> um, for 2019, this one was kind of hard. It was kind of hard for 2019. Mm-hmm. What kept on coming back to, and even though it's for a sci-fi horror movie in Russia, Fine by Mike Shinoda. Yeah, yeah. Again, to the past two, you can listen on the uh, yep. on the Giant Con- I mean, on the Night Owl Show yep. f- uh, playlist. Because I legit thought this song was for Mike Shinoda to talk about what he's still going through. Mm-hmm. But and it's for a movie. But the thing is, though, this song just speaks. If you take the horror movie aspect out, this song fits mm-hmm. to anybody. If you just listen to the lyrics, and you keep on telling yourself you're fine, knowing clearly you're not. Mm-hmm. So that is that is what um, I'm still listening to, and it's like Just Breathe. It's still it's now in my top two. And the song came out November first, 2019. Yeah, it so, came out super late. So out of everything that I listened to in 2019, this one beat Slipknot, it beat Hell Yeah, it beat Kill, Kill Switch, Engage, it beat A Mice of Men of everything I listened to in 2019 to be the number one song of 2019 for myself. Damn. Um, Damn. 
It's weird. It's like, I don't know about you, but for me, it felt like November was probably the best month out of all of 2019. I would actually say <laughs> July because Deeper Wells came out. This their songs that would have been on Palms by Thrice. It's just like a four track mm-hmm. record, and I have a fucking record right here. <laughs> within reach, within arm's distance, folks. Look at this beauty right here. Oh, nice. It legit Don't cover came, the mic. Yeah, it, it legit <laughs> came out in twenty nine, um, twenty nineteen, summer twenty nineteen. Um, the title track, "Deeper Wells," "A Better Bridge," "In the Storm," and "Stumbling West" that we did play on the show. Yes, I do remember playing it. Um, "Stumbling West" is is about a couple just traveling, these things that they go through, and it's like it's the love between the couple. Nice. And I'm like, someone who's not in the relationship currently, but it's still something. It's just like super <laughs> emotional, just super cool, but. Find beat thrice for mm-hmm. 2019, but what I'm currently listening to right now, in 11 days in, "Blow Me" by the Use. Okay. You can interpret that any way you want to. Even the Use said it. Mm-hmm. Interpret it any way you want to on that on for that song. It's frantic. It's chaotic. It's just straight up punk. It's no longer emo. It's just like it's a, it's a whole different. It's like whatever his in his thought head, mm-hmm. Bert's head now. It's. It's now on 11. Okay. Um, As We Suffocate by Of Mice and Men. That came out in October of 2019, but I'm still currently listening to the, um, the record. Um, Welcome Home by Hell Yeah. Hell Yeah. Um, it's from the Leeds. Oh, I forgot the name of the band. <laughs> nah, fuck it. Drowning Pool. Not Drowning Pool. No, nah, fuck it. <laughs> Neo Forte by Slipknot. I'm going to admit this right here. <laughs> this song has pumped me the fuck up, especially the music video. <laughs> when you get to the midpoint of the song and you watch the music video and you see the whole band together, they're fucking moshing, they're headbanging, and it's just, and just, Corey Taylor just fucking doing a cadence and you hear just like, ah, ah, and I'm just like, I'm even fucking moshing in my own fucking room. You're like, ah, ah, somebody's checking in on you. Dizzy, you okay? Go like, the fuck away. Like, I wish I had my hair so I can whip this shit like they used to. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm not going bald. I just chose to shave my hair off. Because <laughs> it was too hot at the fucking time. <laughs> now, See, but now, cool. now when, I, when I cut this, do you want me to make you a wig out of my hair? Now nah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm legit growing my hair, but I have a specific <laughs> hair. I have a specific hairstyle I want to do. All right, all right. Not a mohawk again. Not another mohawk? No. Shit. Mohawk is dead. I'm uh, I'm already looking at new looks for tw- for 2020. I think I'm gonna cut all this shit right here. But I think I'm gonna cut all this. But I I'm going for like a Sokka from Avatar thing where you get like a warrior's wolf tail in the back. Uh, now then I can't do that fucking hairstyle. Is that what you were I was gonna, gonna go? For? I was gonna go for it. Oh shit! Really? Two people with the same fucking hairstyle, but seven months is gonna be cornrows like that. Okay, mine's not gonna be cornrows. Mine's gonna be still it's still similar. Ah. <laughs> <God damn> <laughs> All right, my honorable mentions before we go into the news and then we end the episode. Wait, that wasn't honorable mentions? No, that was that's twenty twenty. <laughs> now honorable mentions for twenty for twenty twelve. Um, we light up the night. We light up by Black Light Burns from the album. The moment you realize you're going to fall. Wes Borland, so far is out of obviously he's the best out of all of them. Biscuit. Mm-hmm. He can sing. He is the Lincoln Biscuit. <laughs> I didn't know Wes can rap. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, one of the best. I feel one of the best damn guitarists of all time. Um, definitely listen to 
we light up. It's fucking phenomenal. I love Bim Bliskit. Um, Brody Daly with Don't Mess With Me from the album Diploid Love back in 2014. Take It Back Sunday, Happiness Is, and The Used Imaginary Enemy. It came out in 2014. Those albums, I still constantly listen on repeat. Nice. Dead Sec Watch Dogs 2 soundtrack, 2016. Gotta get that soundtrack in there. Of Mice and Man Cold World, 2016. Brand New Science Fiction, 2017. Hard Times by Paramore that came out um, from the album After Laughter in 2017. That was almost my 2017 pick. Um, And the reason I picked that one, and didn't make the list, the reason why the Amulet made the list over Paramore, I always... Always have faith Paramore is going to turn out a hit. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm used to hearing. Paramore is, is a band I can constantly listen to also. Yeah. But Circus of Vibe was something new. Mm-hmm. So I needed to hear something new, not something like... I, I know another band is going to be consistent with their, um, with their work. Okay. Nice, nice. And that was our that was our list. We're done. That is our top ten list of uh, music between 2009 and 2019. Wow, and we didn't even touch our reviews yet. We still got more to come on this episode. We're at 204. We're at 204. Well, then how about... Well, we want to do the spoiler cast real quick for uh, Witcher and for Rise of Skywalker. Let's do the news because it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably go quicker. All right, all right. So Marvel Studios... Are we aiming for the three hours this time? <laughs> it may get to that point. <laughs> so Marvel Studios reportedly delays Hawkeye indefinitely. Ah, yes, I did hear about this. According to reports... It's going to be a bit longer before Clint Barton returns to the Cinematic Universe, according to an Ace Scooper. See, that's why, I, I, as long as that, we got it covered. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Hawkeye has been delayed, and definitely the news comes from Charles Murphy and his multi uh, Murphy's um, Verse website. There's reports that just Marvel Studios put the Renner-led show on the back burner for the foreseeable future. In a report itself, it does not mention how long exactly the series will be pushed back. Um, it is reported at one point Marvel was going after Haley Steinfeld to star in it as Kate Bishop. Yeah, I heard that. Well, so far, she's looked like she's no longer in the running for it. I would have liked to see her in something like that. I think she could pull it off. I feel like she would be a better version of Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. Well, Katniss specifically, but you know what I mean. Um, so far, the reports are surrounding that the allegations surrounding Renner's estranged relationship with his ex-wife um, who last October um, documented um, so, um, showing that she accused Renner of abuse and Renner has since denied any allegations related to that, calling her bipolar and that she um, put him and his child in danger. Okay. That's his um, snapback. So that remains to be seen and the project is on the back burner until yeah. it is all cleared up. And Haley Steinfeld, as recently has said, has broke her silence on the road saying it wasn't something that's necessarily happening. Mm-hmm. But she said we have to wait and find out. I guess. Damn. That's just to confirm that she's not gonna do it. Yeah, pretty much. But she would have. But and she probably don't want to commit to it mm-hmm. because you're not only playing K Bishop Hawkeye. Yeah. You're eventually gonna be in the Marvel film. Right. So I think until this gets settled, um, even you even notice Renner has not um, been. Put on the call list for the return for mission, both Mission Impossible movies at all. Yep. Um, so it looks like um, right now he ain't got nothing. Renner canceled? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Basically, 
it's, it, and is that going to be the clickbait title of this episode? No. <laughs> um, it's. I, I just. I, I hope it's not the fact they're canceling him now, without solid evidence, and that, that's why. Yeah, I'm, no. He he. For, okay. Nobody should get canceled without evidence, but except your Harry Whitestone. Except well, fuck that dude. There's already tons of evidence on. Have that you book. seen this fucker on a walker? Yeah. Playing fucking sympathy, you know. Yeah. Like, like nah, nah. Like, let, can I can I push that walker into a pool? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like the fuck. All right. Um, this one shocked the shit out of me. This was it happened in the middle of the week on the ninth. Scott Derrickson stepped down as Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness director. Yeah, that felt like it came out of nowhere. What the fuck happened there? Um, apparently, and both Scott Derrickson and Kevin Feige both have mentioned, which is a rarity, mm-hmm. that both have agreed that it was created differences. Wow. And one news outlet has said, if you notice the San Diego Comic-Con re- re- um, reveal of the Doctor Strange title... Mm-hmm. Scott Derrickson said this is going to be Marvel's first horror movie. Mm-hmm. Kevin Feige followed up saying it's going to be light horror. It's still PG thirteen. Oh, so you can tell there was going to be there was some like back and forth. There. So it was already like he wanted to make it a most likely. Again, this is all speculation. Most likely, he would want to make it a little bit more horror, a little bit more adult than maybe yeah. what Marvel would be comfortable yeah. calling a Marvel title at that yeah. point. And Scott Derrickson has came out and um, said in another report that. Um, yes, we, they broke up amicably um, because the direction Marvel's going is not what in line with what he wanted to make the movie. Uh, okay, so then, yeah, that further supports the fact that he might have wanted to make it a little bit more horror-oriented yep. then. Um, more like a standalone Marvel film, mm-hmm. but because everything has to connect for Marvel. Mm-hmm. And that that is the one of the downsides of connectivity, of a connected universe. Mm-hmm. Directors and writer, or in Derrickson's case, who was half co-writer and who is the director, mm-hmm. He wants to do something original, but you really can't under the Marvel banner. Yeah. And plus, your his movie is connected to WandaVision, which will be out this May, this fall, actually, not May. And I'm assuming that most likely, because it is going to be a Marvel movie, it's also going to... And it's going to be one of the earlier titles post-Endgame. Most likely, they would be Black using Widow's it. first, because she's in May. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm saying one of the first titles. Not, yeah. not the only one, but one of the most recent ones to come out. Post Endgame, yeah. which the important thing would be setting up the next stages for the next arc, pretty much. Because yeah. I mean, there's no way they're not going to do another arc. But at this point, it's basically like and we don't really know what arc is going to be. Okay. Exactly. So right now, it's it's really like 2008, like 2009. Yeah. Like I remember seeing Hulk, the the Invincible Hulk, and then thinking, all right, well, where is it going to go from here? I feel like with Incredible Hulk, exact. Oh, Incredible Hulk, right? And with WandaVision coming out, and with uh, with now multiverse of madness and uh, black widow they're gonna have to basically fill some expectations and at the if not only close storylines but also start giving an idea or start setting those those bricks for what's going to be in the future another 10 years because um, there's no way they made that much money and said oh we're gonna stop here um also in the report he's going to remain on as an executive producer mm-hmm. um despite the director stepping down they're still on track for their 2021 release. Oh, okay. Um, so hopefully Scott Derrickson will contribute in the the, the visual. I, I, he must have had a hand with working with the visual effects company that did mm-hmm. all the, um, the visual effects because that looked straight out of a Steve Ditko comic. <laughs> um, but that's it's kind of sad, but also it's it's Marvel. I want to see more. Like, dude, when when <laughs> when uh, when Doctor Strange fought Thanos. 
Like that was honestly like part some of the best fight scenes for me yep. in that movie. Like and just the the craziness that they could go to. I want to see more shit like that in Multiverse of Madness. And I, I had a good I had a good ta- I had a good um, switch up, but tangent. All right, no switch up. Um, New Mutants trailer finally released. Um, I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it. Yet? I have not. God damn it! I guess this is gonna be on me. So the New Mutants on you. Tra- um, trailer came out April third. Fucking finally. <laughs> um, it was literally supposed to be out this time last year it was supposed to be out in november of last year oh wow so it got pushed it got it always got pushed um the reports actually that came out saying it was being reshot it's untrue so um what, what was the pushback then? it was i don't they was trying to make it more like it when that's the fucking thing though it came it was going to come out the year after it one came out so it would have come out in 2013 no, oh, no 2015 won- i think no it would it was supposed to be out 2018 so it was going to be literally the year it would have been. It would have released a literally a year before it chapter two. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking. Yeah, it one came out seventeen. It two came out last year. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, what the fuck? Just and I'm not gonna blame um, Scott Boone who directed New Mutants. I'm gonna blame squarely on Fox. Mm-hmm. You just could have fucking released it before the fucking Marvel Disney Disney takeover of Fox. Mm-hmm. Just fucking release it. This is something that we all wanted. Taking proper... Here's the thing, though. I, I said everyone knows who the new means are. No, I don't know who the fuck is. Cannonball, Wolfsbane, Danny Moon, uh, Moonstar, um, Magic, or Sunspot are. Yeah, I don't know any of uh, who you just said except yeah. Sunspot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so nobody will know this character except for someone who read New Mutants and who knows these characters. Um, like currently right now, Sunspot is dead in the comic books. He's the one person I know. No, it was maybe been dead. <laughs> um, she's kind of father by this point. Oh. but um, it, it's it's something that we also you also just mentioned a minute ago. You want to see a superhero movie that has horror elements in it. Mm-hmm. This is what we're getting, but we're getting mutants who you assume, like they said in the trailer, you you'll see it. We just want to help you discover your powers. Mm-hmm. No, you you keeping these kids in here so you can know how to abuse these kids with their powers. Yeah. But the downside is, her, um, I forgot she's um the, the lead actress in Queen of the South. I forgot. Oh, her. okay, yeah, yeah. Her character is a superhero in the comic books. This version looked like I I and the movie's not out, so I'm only judging by what I'm seeing. And when I've seen the trailer multiple times, from 2017 to now, <laughs> it is like the four fucking trailers for new movies. Um, she looks more like she's look more villainous. She seems more villainous than hero. Ah, okay. But um, in this recent trailer that came out, you see more of the connection between Magic, Anya Taylor Joy's character, mm-hmm. and Colossus, because oh, they okay. are siblings in the comics. Okay. Um, and even Colossus has mentioned that he has a sister in mm-hmm. Deadpool too. Mm-hmm. And you see her in the trailer. Her metal opens um starts um, shooting. Yeah. And her magic um, sword appears because she's half telepath and she has like she's like a, she's OP goddamn self. Damn. You see the demon bear manifesting in front of her, and she's like an action shot at the end of the fucking trailer. Nice. You see Sunspot use his powers. You see um, Cannibal use his powers. You see um, oh fuck, Amazing Williams slowly turning into Wolfsbane. Huh. Um, and the only person who looks like her powers gonna be more. Not downplayed, but it's like later on, Danny Moonstar, who's like a powerful, also somewhat of a top, 
powered telepath as well. Okay. But with major Native American roots. So I want to see if they keep her Native American roots in this character. That'd be cool. And each of the characters besides Maisie Williams, because Maisie Williams is playing American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the dude who plays Cannonball is British. He's not. He sounds American, but he's British. The fuck is up with that, man? Like, they get British people to be Americans, and they get, like, Americans to be British people. The but fuck? here's the thing, though. And he's doing it very well. He's playing... Can- Cannibal is from the country. He's playing Cannibal with a thick country accent. So the the fact that Charlie Heaton <laughs> can do that, I was like... All right, Because right. if you hear him on Stranger Things, he, mm-hmm. he sounds like whatever fucking region Stranger Things are wait wait I'm trying to remember who's his character in Stranger Things he's Will's older brother oh the camera guy yeah oh wait he's British yeah he used to be that makes so much and he used to be in the punk band that makes so much fucking sense now okay and he used to be in the punk band Uh, I'm trying to remember what so like Joe Carey actually he's still a musician Joe Carey's still a musician I'm going on a tangent I'm trying really hard to remember what I've seen him in before Stranger Things that's the first thing I've seen him in with Stranger Things he was in something that I remember very well but I didn't realize it was him it'll come back to you eventually yeah it'll come back Um, the Orville well Seth MacFarlane has been ruled from Fox and he's going on to NBC now the Orville is now on Hulu right so, you don't have to worry about it getting canceled. But what if Disney technically owns Hulu, which by way they technically own NBC. Well, to a point. To a point, but here's they the don't thing. they don't really own NBC, but they do own certain properties yes. that so, are NBC related. That's like uh, these fucking parent companies, man. You know, so it'd be very interesting to see. Um, Future Family Guy. Family Guy and the Orville. So right now, according to Deadline, something that is a credible source, <laughs> um, Seth from the creator of Family Guy, blah, 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 is leaving the network and he called home for many years with a deal with NBC Universal. According to Deadline, neither of the network has committed to on the shift just yet. It's a five. It's a reported to be a five-year, two hundred million dollar deal. Wow. That is a lot. That is a lot for fucking five years. Um, it's it's a violent effort to um, to keep McFarland, but simply outbid Fox. <laughs> so Fox is still still going. Yeah, because they know Family Guy brings in a lot of shit for Fox. Yeah. For basically, their animation block is like kicked off with Family Guy. Yeah. Um, according to Dana Walden, they already fucking yeah. he's entitled all of um. Uh, he's entertained all of us with his incredible wit and hilarious observations. He is bri- he's a bri- brilliant artist and a great friend, and there is no one we root for more than him. As a fan, I look forward to whatever he creates next, and, and as his studio partner on Family Guy, America Day, and the Orville, I feel lucky to be continuing um, an extraordinary partnership. You better hope he brings you over. Because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the New Deal reportedly see McFarlane and Fuzzy Door create a new content for NBC's streaming service, The Peacock. But it's un is um remains unclear what the future holds for his Fox House properties. I wonder what would Family Guy look like on NBC. Like how would that change? Because the rules I would change. I, I think what they like they did with Brooklyn Nine Nine, they'll stick them to a s- specific day. 
and it intentionally NBC don't have any animation um going on anyway. Yeah, it'll probably go straight to streaming services. I wouldn't be surprised if Family Guy get taken off of primetime television and straight to streaming services. Honestly, I would be okay with that because at least that way they could keep the they could keep what makes Family Guy Family Guy, which would be the raunchiness and the because I I can't see half of the jokes that they make flying on NBC. Yep. And then on top of that, I think the Orville is strictly streaming service, right? Uh, I know I watch it on Hulu, but I'm it, it was a net, obviously a Fox thing, um, so it was airing on Fox. But I would say, yeah, if they just had it live on Hulu, I don't think it would make too much of a difference. Yeah. I mean, at least everybody that I know that watches it watches it on Hulu. Yep. <laughs> um, and lastly, before we get into the review, lastly of, Jones, before we get into the review of the Rise of Skywalker and The Witcher, McFarland Toys are releasing. Some point in twenty twenty this year, not Seth Todd, <laughs> Todd McFarlane. Yes, that's right. Um, he, he's working with DC, and it's called the DC Multiverse Figures. And holy, they're cheap. So the build a figure figures they're are, affordable. <laughs> they're affordable. The build a figure. So, um, for example, um, DC Rebirth, DC Multiverse Nightwing, with the DC Rebirth build a Batmobile. Is twenty five dollars. Oh, is that why it's five bucks more than the rest of them? Yes. Ah. Well, the standalone figures are twenty bucks a piece, which is even with the the builder figure, that's still cheap for twenty five dollars. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. You can like most fucking um, most things that you would have to build would come yeah. in already at thirty thirty five. So more. for a hundred bucks, you can pretty much clear this collection. Well, if uh. you, if you do not get the builder figures here, if you if you get the mainstream guys. <laughs> so you have Justice League um, um, John Stewart who looks fucking and, it, and there's over 25 points of articulation which means the chest the stomach the shoulders the arm the elbows the wrists the head the feet the toes the knees the hips they move nice so think of it like the old classic G.I. Joe figures or the Revo Tech figures where every part of the body fucking move which were honestly some of the best ones yes um, you have Superman the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series. Um, it just says Harley Quinn Classic. So I'm assuming the Animated Series Harley Quinn. Yeah, that's an animated series. The costuming is from the 90s run. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have Superman Unchained. Superman. I do not know that Superman. Unchained armor. Hmm. Um, he looks medieval. I, I'm not, I'm not a... I'm a fan of Superman, but not a deep dive Superman fan. And if you listen to it early in the podcast, I stopped reading DC comic books at a certain point, so I don't know that Superman. Kind of to me, kind of looks like a mix between like Shredder and or, and Ares. I was gonna oh yeah, that's a good one. I was Especially gonna the helmet. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say um, crap. I don't remember what I was gonna say, but yeah, it's a very interesting costume to say the least. Um, you have um, DC Rebirth Nightwing. Um, you have. Detective Comics Batman, which is modeled after Detective Comics 1000 Batman. Is that the one with the yellow trim around the bat symbol in the middle? No. It's, uh, he has just have the straight jet black. Mm, okay. But with the yellow utility belt. Yes. And the black trunks. Okay. You have DC Rebirth Batgirl. Uh, with you... the questionable headgear. <laughs> uh, you can tell it's Barbara fucking Gordon. You know what? I'm not, no, we're not doing the rant right now. <laughs> <laughs> um... You have Action Comics 1000 Superman, which is fucking the paint 
synapse on that fucking Superman. Mm-hmm. It is fucking glorious. It looks the blue looks textured like it's an actual suit. Really? The emblem also looks textured. Mm-hmm. The cape looks it's a soft um it's a softer plastic. Okay. So you get able to move the figure without having to think you feel like you're gonna rip the plastic off the cape. So they make it also they can also change the way the texture looks that way, right? Yep. Nice. Um, I am the fan of the cloth cape mm-hmm. action figures because I have a, a special edition Batman um, the animated series figure that has a cloth cape. Uh-huh. It's just only the the top part of the, the shoulders. Plastic. The shoulders is um, plastic. I mean, technically, you could say pauldrons, but there's not an extra pair of leather there, so yeah, yeah shoulders. Um, you have the um, Dark Knight's metal DC multiverse Batman Raptor. <laughs> um, you have Batman and Robin's. Batman Hail Bat suit. That's uh twenty. I want to say twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. And it uh, looks sick. <laughs> yeah, he's like a fucking gladiator. You and this current is already out, but it's sold out. You have to really look for it. Dark Knight's Metal, the Batman Who Laughs figure, is already sold out. Which would be the one, the only one I really, honestly, would care about. <laughs> I, I, I don't care for it. <clears throat> and <good>. then you <laughs> have Arrow, the Green Arrow action figure. He sold out, and it makes sense because his show is going to end in about two weeks. And that's the one. That's the one that's modeled after the show. Uh, the show model, not the yeah. It, it, it looks legit like uh, Stephen Amell. Down to the to the beard. Yep. To the shadow. Like, look at this shit, dude. I know. It's like it's like green. It's like um. I was gonna say Green Robin. It's like Robin <laughs> Hood mixed with like Assassin's Creed. <laughs> um, they. Introduced the hood, I want to say in New Fifty Two. Really, the hood? Oh yeah, because originally hood. it was like a hat, right? Yeah, like he, the feathered he, hat. Yeah, the Robin Hood feathered hat. He, they introduced the hood because of the Arrow. Show. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit, it, honestly. I Actually, like the look. No. Smallville started the hood. Um, Did the Smallville hood. have a hood? I thought he didn't have yeah, anything. Smallville Green Arrow had the hood. Damn, it's been so long ago, man. Yep. Isn't it weird? Damn, I'm, I feel like for the next couple of years, if somebody says 20 years ago, I'm still going to be thinking about, like, 1990s, 1980s, not 2000. The fuck? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's um, it's more of a product talk. Than it is, it, it's but, a product talk. But we don't still, often get into figures, but when we do, we get into it. Yes. Because <laughs> um, there are some more action figures we're going to talk about later on that it just, oh, my fucking God. There's some, there's some legit action figures coming out this year that you guys need to see. They look great. Yep. And to end off our podcast, we're going to do our review. We're going to start off with The Rise of Skywalker because I think that's going to be a little, more, a little bit more longer. Than so from, from this point forward, full spoiler warning. Yes. For Rise of Skywalker and The Witcher. If you have not seen Rise of Skywalker. Stop the episode right now. Thank you for listening. And we'll, and we'll see, see you on time. the next one. Yes. And again, for all eight episodes of The Witcher, free game. We're not going to talk about every episode in depth. No. But we will not hold back on Actually, on spoilers. Let's do the next episode with The Witcher. Next episode, Witcher. Yeah. Okay. Never and mind. Just Rise of Skywalker. Just Rise of Skywalker, and we're ended because we're at two twenty six. Yes. So for those of you that listen this far, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Peace. For those of you that are sticking with us, we're about to start right now. All right. I don't see for the Rise of Skywalker, like the Last Jedi. I don't see what people complain about. Okay. Now, story choices, yes. Okay, what story choices were the ones that bothered you? Since Rise of Skywalker, I don't like the budding romance between Kylo Ren and Rey. 
Okay. Just because the rule of two, they always have to be two, and then the, the connecting. I don't give a fuck you connected to the force. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need to be together just because you both are connected to the force that strongly. Well, I actually just, I, I've been following a lot of different, um, basically, canon sources, like as Disney reveals new uh, stuff about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So they actually recently introduced in one of the comics the real reason that the the rule of two exists. I know, because it started with the Sith. It started that's with... That's why it was never, like, like the Jedi, they had, like, over 30, 40... It started with members. Darth Bane, specifically. And it was it was only, like, there's the the Lord and mm-hmm. then his apprentice, which yeah. would be just always two, because you don't need other people conniving. Right, going and the, the goal is always for the apprentice to eventually become strong enough to overtake the Master and then yeah. start the cycle again for himself. Yeah. So that way the dark side of the Force always has the strongest herald possible. Yep. But and... in that in that reasoning, right? They they now announced with certain new comics that just came out that the the real reason why Darth Bane did that, not only to create like a stronger force, was to then facilitate better conditions to create a force dyad, which is like what happened at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Yep. So they wanted to make force dyads in the Sith because then eventually they could like it's such a universe shattering power that if two Sith Lords were able to create a dyad that way, that they would be basically unstoppable. Yeah. So yeah. So with that, with that, I get why they did the romance thing. I don't agree with it either. That felt a little forced to me. Like in the no Finn, pun intended. Finn and Ray was it was more. Hell, if it was Finn and Poe, it was still it was it seemed like it was organically. Honestly, I would have liked Finn and Poe. I kind of, I'm kind of sad that we didn't no, get Finn right and Poe, po, but I get it. Right now, I'm Poe right quick. I'm gonna have to agree with Comic Book Girl 19. Poe has done all this shit. Mm-hmm. He even saved um, her life on that planet. Yeah. When he's standing there, he's like, he doesn't have to say. He just give that look like. Yeah, he's looking at he's her like, at the end and just like, like, you wanna, you wanna? And she goes like, like should we kiss? He's like, no, he's like, no, he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't want to kiss. He wanted to fuck. Well, yeah, the subtext was there, but it's still a Disney movie now, so I'm okay, pretty sure. Look, they let, they let um, what's her name, that doctor um, who's in Last Jedi, mm-hmm. have her um, her moment with her um, her spouse. Yeah, and that's the first canon uh, lesbian lesbian relationship in Star Wars. Like, look, we know they about to get it on. Yeah. Oh, uh, Poe. Yeah. And then look, he gave you, he was like, Okay. But he took it like a G, though. Yeah, he took like, it like okay. a fucking G. He's like, he's all, walk- right. all right, I'm walking off. Right. I like to think that that's how I would handle that situation. Yeah. I like to think that's how I would handle it. Just I like, feel- hey, you want it? No? All right. <laughs> and I thought the movie should have ended not right after Poe, when they all embraced one another. That w- I thought that's where the movie was going to end. That was better, because I'm like, it I felt that was genuine for Finn to actually be the one crying, not Ray. Yeah, yeah, because it's like Finn, like, you could tell he's the more emotional one. Like, between the three of them, he is the more emotional one. And he's clear, and how everybody's saying he's deep in love. No, he is, and this is why, this this was the clear, this was the reason why I felt Star Wars should be a TV series. Mm -hmm. Finn is force sensitive. Yeah, they made that canon now. And supposedly that's what he was going to tell Rey when they were sinking. Yeah, and I'm like, and I felt like this would have been better as a TV show. And the fact that none of the actors want to return. And here's the thing, though. They say they don't want to return. They would if, give it like seven years. And they want to continue on with M3. Mm-hmm. I bet you 
they're like, gonna do the same shit they did with Mark Hamill and and uh, like, Carrie Fisher and here's Harrison all Ford. the money. Here's all the money. Yeah, like no, they um, originally before this, like no, it was not the no connecting to Skywalker or anything. It's mm-hmm. just gonna be them. No one like to take their because they're technically Finn, um, the John Boyega and Daisy Ridley are still technically in their twenties. They're not even in their thirties. Yeah, I'm surprised so, that they aren't gonna be doing more of the movies already. Um, so there's like. They said if they by the time they're in their forties, they'll still be. Hell, look at Oscar Isaac, who's almost fifty. Dude, and Oscar Isaac he, is such a good actor. He can. They can still run and gun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look at all these fucking comic book movies and action movies. Brad Pitt, who's is closer to sixty, and like holy shit. Yeah. If, say what you will, but once a time in Hollywood, he can still fight. He can still he can still do the action when it needs to be. So yeah. All he needs is the correct am- amount of money and the right story. Daisy Ridley and John Boyega will return. Which God, return. I want new stories so bad. Um, but like, don't get me wrong. Like, I I already know your feelings on the High Republic that we shouldn't fucking go back there. Yeah. But I feel like if they got two teams working on it, I would love to see a High Republic, and I would love to see continuing. But I want to. I want to. Is that Ryan Johnson's choice? Because after we after the after this Skywalker saga, everything that's going on. Is this what is this what they're gonna do? They're gonna go back instead of going forward. I rather them go forward because now I want to see who's now gonna it needs the rule or two or who's gonna be the new set the who's not want to follow the path of the Jedi. Yeah, that is my life. Well, for a while you're not gonna have that because there's not any like well there's four sensitives. It's established already. There yeah. are four sensitives. But I want to be like it would have been cool if they introduced someone who was like. Fuck this shit. Well, supposedly that's what what uh, season seven of Clone Wars was supposed to be about. Season seven of Clone Wars is supposed. To, well, again, it does go back a little bit, but it's supposed to be about how after Darth Maul lost his mantle of being a Sith after being defeated by Obi Wan the second time, uh, how he's trying to reclaim the Sith mantle after the death of both Palpatine and Darth Vader. That's a storyline they that they were setting up at near the end of Clone Wars that they never got to finish. That you know, now. I'm oh, sorry. No, no, go for it, go for it. You know Darth Maul is coming back in yeah. live action. Yeah, he's coming back in live action. And I'm like... I, I hope he's not going to be the Sith Lord or whatever, only because it's like, I, I want new storylines. But if he does get taken, if he becomes like the main guy again, I do. I am interested in seeing how he's going to handle that. Because he has all the backstory on Dathomir mm-hmm. and his relationship um, with like the Night Sisters. Yep. And all the different the different characters in the underworld yeah. that he could theoretically bring with him into the Sith side and reestablish the Sith mm-hmm. in a different way in his vision, and it would be like a really fucked up like kind of dark twisted one because he's also not only had problems with Jedi but now with the over, uh, previous version of Sith. Yep. So I would like to see that development, but not necessarily continuing on in the future to where it's like they're bringing him back like the way they did Palpatine. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm like, but. Getting back into um, Rise of Skywalker. Back to Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> um, he dropped his vape pen. Yeah. I, I accidentally flung it across the room. <laughs> yeah. Now you gotta look for it. <laughs> no, I know where it landed. I saw okay. it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. This is why you should not have a lightsaber. I'm gonna fucking build one. I don't give a shit. I'm building a lightsaber. You God flung damn it. your vape pen. No. I'm still paddling, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm the Darth Lord. Let me learn, man. Give me a fucking holocron. <laughs> um, I'll take I, didn't a have, I didn't have like. 
I understand she's a Palpatine, mm-hmm. so she has this anger and this rage within her. But I'm like, she's making making choices through this movie. I'm like, you know what? It was like this close. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, what? I hope you die. What was the closest moment you got to that? At the end, going when they're on that planet where they meet. Um, I forget, I should have written down her name. I, I don't like pulling out my phone during the movie. I, I the have, the I chick, the the scavenger, the previous storm stormtrooper chick. Yeah, who, who has that's the, Endor. It was on Endor. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, because remember the okay. So they said, and like you have to go to Endor where the last war ended. Okay, and it's the ruins of the second Death yeah. Star that had fallen to the planet of yeah. Endor because they were in orbit. Okay, because so normally, yeah, normally, normally, I did my eyes. No <laughs> scratchy. Why do you need your eyes to talk? <laughs> wow. I'm a, I'm a very uh, movable person, I guess. Um, I don't know what the fuck that meant. <laughs> it was just um, her anger that, and just like. Like, you flip to the dark side when you stabbed Kylo. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Um, but I did like, they introduced the early in the movie, that Jedi can heal people. Yeah, they brought that back canonically. Which is actually something they brought back canonically in Mandalorian. <laughs> here's the thing, though. I'm not watching. And here's the thing. There is no going to be ever no Mandalorian review. Because I did not watch it, and I have no will to watch it. Like, like Solo, I have no will to watch it. <laughs> Fucked it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I did not know that um, I'm sticking to yeah. what I know canonically, which mm-hmm. would be these films. Mm-hmm. Not um, The only comic book that I read was Darth Vader's comic book that Marvel recently done. Okay, so wait, which one? The 2015-16 or the 2017-18? 2017-18. Okay, because technically the 14-15 one... Okay, yeah. 14-15 takes place after 17-18. Go figure. I know, and they're ju- they they announced a new one that's coming out this year within the next couple months that takes place. Isn't uh, it the one with Doctor Aphra? Because mm, they said they they're bringing her back, but she maybe has. I hate when they, yeah. when characters that is inherently good, and the issues ended with them still doing good, and all of a sudden they say, "Oh, we're bringing them back," but they may have turned to the dark side. Why? What? What? What is this? What? Why? It's Who? just like clickbait at this point. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Get the fuck out of here with that. She was yeah. good. She used to stay good. Yeah. She's the only person who could beat Darth Vader without a fucking lightsaber. Yeah. Wait, you're talking about the one that... Dr. Aphra. She was, she was, she's a doctor, but she's good with technology also. Yeah, she took him down for, with his bre- um, breather and she was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just left him down enough where she can run and he, like, he can't chase after her. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, bring her... Um, and this movie really hampers by not using any of the fucking characters from the actual story like Mara Jade um Ben Sol's actual sister um Luke's wife mm-hmm. like I just said Mara Jade Ben uh Ben uh yeah Ben Sol no it was Ben Kenobi no I'm sorry fuck Ben Skywalker yeah because uh Luke names his his child after Ben yeah and then there's uh cause Ben goes from Ben Skywalker to Ben Solo so instead of being yeah. the son of Marge. Because there's an Anakin Solo. Yeah. Anakin Solo and fucking the other one, the other twin. Yeah. I got her name. Yeah. But they, they miss out on a lot of that shit. But it also kind of makes sense in a different way because, um, like, in, in this continuity, they're keeping Luke a lot more um, in tune with what he learned from the Jedi texts 
So it's like, oh, okay, he's not going to take a wife and all that kind of shit. And but... that's why I'm called Dar- Darth Desi the Sith. Fuck all the Jedi, Jedi and Sith shit. <laughs> I'm kicking a wife. If my child has a force power, if he goes to the Sith, just know there's a day I'm going to kill you. Why not be more... Why not be that guy then? There, There is an entire sect of Jedis that is canon that technically they did not follow the Jedi Order and they took wives and they keep it within their own family. And because of that, they moved into a different planet and were not affected by Order 66. So they're still alive and their family line is still alive. And they had... They, they... That, that can be a future series. Exactly! They have so much good shit that they don't touch! And we and that's what we got from out of the, um, these three films, and what, what what makes these three films not all that great, like the original, well, the original trilogy, prequel. <laughs> they're not cohesive. Yeah, there's three different people with three different stories. Mm-hmm. If there was just one singular person, if it was J.J. Abrams doing all three story wise, not directly wise, like. Like what George Lucas did, mm-hmm. and they should have did it that way. J.J. Abrams directs the first movie. Mm-hmm. Him, Ryan, um, Ryan Johnson, and Colin Javar all worked together from Rise of Skywalker to, um, I mean, from Force Awakens all the way through to this film mm-hmm. with a cohesive fucking story. Yeah. That so when people get to the Last Jedi, they won't bitch about it being so one eighty turned from it. I was like, mm-hmm. no, it is still following the blueprints of the Rise of Skywalker. This is just Ryan Johnson's telling his chapter of the story. Yeah, not so much like "fuck you, Abrams." I'm gonna do what I want. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, we, got, fair, we, we essentially got that in Rise of Skywalker. Fuck you, um, Ryan Johnson. This is what we're doing. Wait, you mean Last Jedi? No, Ryan uh, Rise of Skywalker. They was basically saying "fuck you, Ryan Johnson." We're not gonna do what you oh, included yeah, yeah. in the Rise in Rise of Jedi and the Rise of yeah, Skywalker. Like we're gonna retcon some of your shit immediately. <laughs> like, and then on, on top of that. Bash him on fucking line. Yeah. Not only him, not only JJ was well. And that's the, the thing. It's like I feel like Ryan Johnson got a bad rap. They're like, oh, he's a fucking stupid director. It's like, no, he's not. Like, he's a good director. Yeah. It's just that you didn't like his interpretation of what Star Wars was. Yeah. And for the record, I enjoy. I did enjoy Last Jedi. I didn't think it was a good middle film yeah. for the overall story, but as a singular film and his storytelling abilities, I thought yeah. it was fine. And to keep on par with the visuals, when Palpatine and um, Richard Grant, his character, when they rose those new Star Destroyers. Yeah. That is on par, visually fucking stunning, as um, Lord Dern crashing the fucking um, ship into... Um, oh, yeah, that, that, shit, that shit gets you. It was like, <gasps> I remember seeing that and, the first time. Like... Then, but, seeing, but then seeing this visual um, set piece going towards the end of the movie, I'm like, holy shit. That, this just, it, it looked like... On the level of the fucking Nazis. It gives what? you that sense the, of like... The imperialism. Exactly. It gives you that sense of like, if we don't succeed here, we are literally fucked. Yep. And like, each one with a planet-killing cannon. Every single one of them. I was like, you know what? Fucking no more bases. Put them on the fucking ships. This is how you take over the galaxy. And then you get the opposite with um, Lando and all the other fucking ships come mm-hmm. to save the help um, get um, help to save the day. Yeah, I was like, that is visually awesome. And then when Palpatine uses fucking um, his, his lightning power. Yeah, you actually get to... a sense of how strong Palpatine can fucking be. And I was like, holy shit! Visually, this movie was fucking awesome. I but really love the artistic tone that they had for it. Yeah. I, like like I remember specifically the shot of Ray in the hangar talking to Ben when she when he reveals that she's a Palpatine. Mm. Like 
something about the way they lit that scene yeah. her against like the shield generator and then her in that blue kind of yeah. dark because it's it kind of like translates to her not being able to see who she is herself yeah. is the way that i view it and ben very much in the light like kind of trying to be a savior moment yeah. but then immediately changing over to the light bright behind her yeah. like just the way that they handled the artistic visual for that it told so much of the story with it along with it and i think um also to tack on to that, I think they had a stand-in and they deep fake Carrie Fisher's face on somebody else. You know who it was? His daughter, her daughter. Her daughter, yeah. But they they said, oh, that was the past scene where you see younger um, Leia. I was mm-hmm. like, no, really, the scenes um, where she's talking to Poe. Right. Look at her face. That is CG. Oh wait, those scenes. Yeah. Oh no no, I those think, are I, those I are think... unused uh, clips from from uh, Last Jedi. I know, but Vulcan, I, I seriously, I know this is from, from Last Jedi, but I seriously think they probably had Billy Lord there, mm-hmm. and they she was probably reciting the lines, and then they put her face over her, her mother's face over her face. Okay, so no, what they did there, I looked at a visual, a visual video for what they actually did. They broke down the VFX. What they did there was they took um, certain scenes from Last Jedi and unused scenes from Last Jedi where they put her in, but they digitally recreated the background because none of the background nor her clothing was the uh, was appropriate for the scene. So they had to re-CG not only her clothes, but also her hair and her makeup. So that's why it looks a lot more CG. Okay. They didn't deep fake her on anything. It is Carrie Fisher, but they had to digitally redo her entire wardrobe, her hairstyle, the background to everything. That's why if you notice too... Every single shot where you're uh, what they call a hero shot, mm. looking directly at Carrie Fisher, there's nobody else in the shot. Or if there is, there's at least a small gap between the other person in the yeah. foreground to the background where she's at. Yeah, because it was very noticeable between her and Oscar Isaac. Yeah, exactly. It, it was very they noticeable. Needed a, they needed a plate for her. They yeah. needed a visual plate. But they did use all, all the stuff that sh- they used for her was from... Um, from previous footage that they literally just changed her her costuming because Disney already came out also and said they didn't want to deep fake her, they did not want to de-age her, and they did not want to like project onto another person. The only place they did project onto her was the flashback scenes when the training scenes, like where she was training with Luke. Yeah. That was Billy Lord doing all the physical stuff, and yeah. they put her mom's face on there. Yep, yeah, and then um, also... and it was actually Mark Hamill who did the Mark Hamill parts, and they de-aged him. No, I know that. Yeah, and that one it was it was it was, it was obvious. It was Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it came out pretty good though, for younger Mark Hamill. Like it's obviously deep fake, yeah. but it came out pretty good. Oh yeah, um, but it it was very noticeable with CG though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the lighting helps. They kept that scene dark and yeah. rainy and like flashes of lightning. The fact that they didn't have like super lit up faces and it was only lit by the ambience of their lightsabers that lends itself so much to the visual storytelling. That yeah. way, they don't have to render it as much. It helps. Um, I've been watching too many visual effects videos on YouTube, man. One of the things, though, <laughs> it, it annoyed me, and they didn't do a good job of it. I kept on... Th- I thought BB-8 died. Yeah, right? And I didn't notice that BB-8 got on the transport ship with Rose, um, Billy Lord's character, mm-hmm. and um, what's his name from um, Lost in Lord of the Rings? Oh. Yeah. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, they was all on the transport ship. It was only um, Finn, and she is clearly um, Billy D. Williams' daughter in yeah. the movie. And people say, "Oh, there was a sexual sexual connotation to it." I was no. like, "No, no." I was like, "Where the fuck do you see?" It was they even talking like... sexually to her at the end of the movie. I was like, 
I think no. you just want to fuck Billy D. Williams. Like, that's not... <laughs> no, I was like, no, that thing, because they... Everyone assumes Billy D. Williams is talking sexual to everyone. That's Lando's thing. I'm like, no, it's clearly he was telling her, yeah, let's help you find your family. Yeah, literally. Even though he clearly said at the start of the movie, um, no, I don't think he even mentioned about him losing a child at the start of the movie. It was just like, like books that was connecting to the Rise of Skywalker yeah. that talk that, about Yeah, there was nothing child. about that in the movie, but it is canon. Yeah. But yeah, no, that, that, wait, who the fuck told you that was sexual? That shit was... Everything I have saw that reviewed, um, it go from defunct Collider video. <laughs> I did not fucking catch any sexual thing on that. My, my full thing was fully like, I lost my parents earlier. Uh, I don't know where my parents are. Well, let's find out. Like, yeah. um, like a new adventure, a new storytelling point. That's what I thought that was. Um, learning that Lando was with Luke before Luke, um. I was when he was talking about him and Luke working together. Mm-hmm. I assumed he was he was probably there at the Jedi Temple that he created that Luke created, mm-hmm. and he probably left Luke on that on that um planet that he we found him on at the end of uh, Skywalker, um Force Awakens and at the start, at the start of Jedi. But supposedly nobody knew where he was. Lando did though. He talked. Lando talked about he knew where he was. Yeah. So I was like, you just contradicted your fucking self in two movies. Yeah. Was it Last Jedi? Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. You said we um. Keep saying Rise. In Force Awakens and the and Last Jedi, they kept the saying we don't know where Luke is. Right. The only person besides R two who did, mm-hmm. Lando. Hmm. Yeah, and he was working with Luke, like hunting people down and shit. So yeah, I would imagine. So I'm like, you just contradicted your fucking self. So it was like there was no, and that was and that's why I made my decision. I feel. And people, there's people who's pushed back because there's another person who felt like me. It should be a TV series. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, there should always be a Star Wars film in theaters. No, wow. we're at the point where there should be no longer a Star Wars film in theaters. Just let it be a TV series, at least for a long while. Because <laughs> um, you have Kenobi that's getting ready to come out. Not I mean, getting ready to come out, but it's in with the next two years. Even Lucas's original intention was to continue the storyline through video games and TV shows. Yes, because he wrote over. I think over a hundred episodes for a Star Wars TV show that used it, but it was not going to be Force Wilders. It was just going to be like Spice Runners, Bounty Hunters. And yeah, like the that. Underworld. Yeah, that was and like, supposedly oh. now they're talking about bringing the Underworld into the like the fray and stuff. I want to see that. Yeah, I do too. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Force stuff. I mean, it's very obviously it's important. It's Star but Wars. Here's the thing, but though. there's I, so much shit in life that they have now. I am tired of seeing guards. Guard and be, um, there's different style. If you look at each film, and we talked about it before, Star Wars: The New Hope through Return of the Jedi, it was more a person learning how to how to fight. Luke mm-hmm. was learning how to how to be how to fight. Mm-hmm. You go through the prequels, and we talked about it: fencing, parrying. Hence why fucking Fallen Order has that fucking fight style. I hate that shit. I love it. I fucking love it. I want to go back and play it on the hardest setting, man. But if you look at Rogue One, Darth Vader's a fucking bruiser. Yeah. He's a bruiser fighter. The way that he fights, yeah. Well, that also fits in canonically because he he had to change up his fighting style because he can't do the same intricate movements with his robot hand. Um, And you look at Force Awakens, it's no longer parrying. There is blocking, but look at Kylo. Mm Mm-hmm. He's a fucking bruiser of a fight. He fights... They, they did the fight choreography more like a longsword and broadsword fighting yeah. for that. I want something... 
Like, you see them get tired. I love that moment. Samurai Shampoo. You ever seen Samurai Shampoo? Oh, fuck yeah. Where you have your... You have Jin, who's more... What you're more used to from the prequels. Yeah. But you have Mugen, who's just fucking all over the place. Jumping around and shit, yeah. I want a fucking Jedi or Sith Lord, whoever, who's just like a free fucking... Like, every Jedi, and I like how the way the prequels did, every Jedi has a different fighting style. Yeah, they're, like, canonically, there's six different stances, and then certain advanced Jedis learn the seventh and eighth stances and all that. Like, I want to see Jedis dual blade. Yeah. I want We already got seen... We already saw Rey... Well, technically, Darth Maul started it with Mm -hmm. um, the saber staff. Yep. Um... We already had different variations. We have technically Kylo's like, saber is a broadsword. We've never seen the, the light whip. Section. We've never seen the fucking light whip. That would be fucking sick to see on TV. I mean, it's not uh, practical, but it'd be sick to see. And we saw the because um, of Clone Wars, you have the um, the lightsabers that can. Um, I forget what there's. It's a black saber. I forget what was their purpose. The dark saber. There's what? only one dark saber. What is that? What is the purpose of the dark saber? The dark saber is the only lights is the lightsaber that was made by the only Mandalorian to be inducted as a Jedi. Which, uh, well, okay, never mind. <laughs> We're not talking about that. Um, yeah, it, the the dark saber. The reason it's it's important though too is because it's the only lightsaber that is that we have. We have the least information about the dark saber more than any other lightsaber. It uses a different kind of crystal. That's all we know. We don't know what kind of crystal. But he uses a different crystal, and canonically, lots of different lightsabers have been made by different crystals. There are other crystals other than Ilum crystals. There's Dantooine. There's even kyber. certain. There's oh, kyber is the one that you would get from Ilum. There's Dantooinean um, kyber crystals that are slightly different. There are Tatooine crystals that are super rare, but they but they exist. In the old Legends continuity, Luke had made his lightsaber from a Tatooine uh, uh, crystal. There are pearls and shit that come from specific animals. That make uh, lightsabers in and do different things, but the thing about the dark saber is that it also channels the the anger of the user, yeah. or not the anger, but the um, I forgot what specific. I think it's like persistence or the will, the will of the user, and the stronger the will and the stronger a specific emotion is. I don't remember exactly which one. The more power and energy the blade has, to the point to where that blade can even theoretically break lightsabers on a parry. Okay. Like a regular standard kyber lightsaber, if the if the right user is using that dark saber, they can shatter the crystal just by hitting a parry on the regular lightsaber and thereby rendering it useless. Okay. It's a very specific lightsaber, and, and it was it's also historically important to Star Wars because um, since it was made by the first Mandalorian Jedi and the only Mandalorian Jedi, mm-hmm. it was also cre- it was also considered a symbol of strength. And a symbol of leadership for the Mandalorian culture, so um, the one who would become known as the Mandalore, the you know basically the giant chieftain of all of Mandalore, would be the one that would wield the dark saber, and anybody who wanted to become the leader would have to um, would have to face that person and defeat them in combat and take the saber. Here's why the Mandalorian has the saber. Yes. Well, he doesn't. I told have you it. I already know it. Yeah, he doesn't have it, but it's in the show. It's it. Yeah. Okay. He's so, going for. He's going for it. No, he doesn't even know it exists yet. Okay. Yeah, but it shows up in the last episode. Spoiler. Giancarlo Esposito has it. Exactly, exactly. He has it, and canonically it makes sense too because he had it since the fall of Mandalore, so he's had it at this point for probably about 7 to 13 years, I think. Okay. But seeing that shit live was awesome. Like, seeing that in per, like, not in person, but like in a live action series, I was just like, holy shit, I didn't expect that. 
But now we're going on to Mandalorian shit. Moving away from Mandalorian. Yeah, well, we, we pretty much cover, almost cover all the bases of Star, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, pretty um, much. What we, did you, what, what's one thing that was new that you enjoyed from it? That, like, new concept that they, they hadn't had, other than the Force Dyad? Nothing. Or even in the Force Dyad? Nothing. It was, it was nothing. It was, I've come to the realize I'm tired of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, and it could be from fandom. It could be from the fact that it, it we, I kept on saying it. it was nothing cohesive. It was nothing set. Um, it would have been cool to see a new for, a new force wielder besides Ray and Kylo. Yeah, I would throw uh, that like throw that into the mix. Like if if Finn his powers kicked in, it would have showed. It would have been cool. He started the movie series with a lightsaber, knowing full well he didn't know how to use it. Yeah, show him his. Force powers, like when Rey and Kylo died, mm-hmm. his force powers kicked in. Yeah, he felt it. He like it would have kicked in and saw him help the fucking up everyone else, like try to like hold off as much as he can, so everybody can run back to the transport ship. Like even even if it was something like semi small, even if it was like when when he felt it when they were taking the yep. ship, like if he had thrown the grenade and it was about to fall or something, like having his like. Like exactly, like help use like use the force and have it push off. It's like it doesn't have to be a lot, but enough to show that oh shit! Not only is he force sensitive, he can use it a little bit, kind of naturally. Yeah, um, that would have been something new. I would have loved to see. And yes, and you can have you can even if it ends with him using his force powers, you can now imagine what he'll do after effect. Maybe Ray would be his master training. Yeah, totally and to be fair, I think that's kind of what they were hinting at, but I don't think they gave but enough of a... Here's the thing, though. You have people out there who was like, oh, he's probably going to probably mm-hmm. wanted to tell Ray he loved it. No, it was... It's already been said by J.J. Abrams. He wanted though, to tell it, her about even, the Force sensitivity. Even though it was said by J.J. Abrams, there are still people like us who are not reading articles mm-hmm. who is just seeing the movie and going off what they see. Uh, that's, that is, that's the thing. yeah. Well, but, to be fair, I've been I have been relapsing on Star Wars ever since Fall Fallen Order. Like I've been delving myself deep into that. it again, and I'm drawn. I'm ret- I'm like I'm retreating. I'm, uh, I don't want to. For the foreseeable future, <laughs> there will be no talk of Star Wars or Star Trek, because Star Trek is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. That is because I know we said we were gonna like fan cast. We still haven't done our fan cast yet. I know, but after reading everything what Paramount is doing with Star Trek, there's no point to fan cast. Yeah, because I'm like, you don't, you like Lucasfilm, you don't know what the fuck you're doing with a property you got. Yeah. You're just as worse as DC. Honestly, the comics are really good, though. The comics and the books, now that I started reading them, like, it's a different ballgame, man. Like, like, they're not the Legends stuff, but a lot of the old Legends writers are writing the new stuff. And they still write good. Like, it, especially, like, the, the Thrawn books. All the stuff that had to do with uh, General or Admiral Thrawn. I know what Thrawn is. I've seen um, Rebels. Yeah, exactly. So it's like all the, th- they, they had three Thrawn books in the Legacy series. Now there's another three Thrawn books for the current series, and it's written, I think, by the same guy. It's like, they, like even though it's not the same stuff, the same talented writers are writing it, and then new talented writers are writing different stuff. Where it's, even though the movies are leaving wanting, the stories are being fleshed out, and that's kind of what's pulling me back in, and the extra stuff. That's why I don't like Rebels. Yeah? Because um, the way how they end it, you have to get rid of, you have to get rid of buff the Jedis. You can just easily well, have... they're coming back. They already announced they're coming back. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Kanan's character is dead. Yeah. Ezra is missing. Ezra's coming back. They already showed the teaser for that. Oh, well, he's coming. He's alive. He's alive. But that means Thrawn is also alive. Most likely. Most likely. Uh, 
I don't honestly. There, there's I, a section I'm gonna have to. That's a section I'm gonna have to edit out. I don't. Because <laughs> that that long pause, that 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 one second pause, it was just. Uh, it's. And cut right back here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the thing that I'm. I'm. I'm I love science fiction. I really do, and mm-hmm. I do like Star Wars and Star Trek. They just need to work on their shit. Yeah. They're, by this point, they're Bioware. You was okay. good. You was good at one point. Now you faltered. Okay. Everybody is fighting amongst themselves. Everybody's getting fatigued and shit too. Um, like comic book movies is still gonna keep on trucking along. People are gonna bitch about it, but here's the thing though: you got Marvel and, by some extension, DC. They're changing it up. They're changing the way that people view mainstream movies and how they view stories as a multi movie multi-platform thing even like you don't take an ip anymore and just say oh i love this movie series or oh i love this tv show or i love this comic book now you say i love this thing i love star wars and then certain people like the movies others like the shows others like the books people certain people like them all certain people don't like them at all it's like such a exactly it's such a large thing now that it's really difficult to pinpoint a fandom down to one thing now yeah like it, you can have different multiple sex. You can even have people now that are into lightsaber fencing, but don't give a shit about the movies. But they like lightsaber fencing because it's a physical activity that's an actual sport now. Yeah. And with that, we're gonna end it right here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> like I said, we're on the level of um, Joe Rogan. No, Joe Rogan do four hour podcast. God damn it! Really? Yeah, we're not we're not doing that. Well, anyways, thank you guys for and listening. We're not doing this long, either. If you have, <laughs> that's about it. That's about it. Uh, All right. Join us next week and listen out for the new episodes of the Night Hour Show. Uh, send us in your questions to Desi on Twitter and peace. Pretty much, don't don't bother me on Twitter. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs>